Hey, welcome to the 310th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently, we're going back to John Romita, Amazing Spider-Man, 1966, looking at that that era, just, just revisiting that. Um, I'm, I'm, there's an off-my-mind topic I want to do. I, I don't know when I'll do that, if I'm going to interrupt the, the, the Spider-Man revisit or something. Uh, sometimes I talk about movies and other things, but if you can't commit to monthly commitment... You can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, what's going to happen this week? We have a lot of stuff that's uh, that's that's ending, that, that's on its way out. I'm not quite sure what that's going to mean for next week, but I'm not going to worry about that just yet. So the movie feature is Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. I go back and forth. I think it's Oppenheimer. Pretty sure. Even though you would think I just saw a friggin' three-hour movie. I should know how, how you say his name. That's how horrible I am. So we're gonna talk about that. Uh, so Harley Quinn started last week. They dropped three episodes. So as you listen to this, I believe four of them are out. Just um, for my sanity and because looking forward, this is like, what am I going to, you know, content for the show? I think I'm only going to cover two episodes this week. And the same thing with the, my adventures with Superman. So I wasn't able to watch it last week in time to record because I was, I was traveling, visiting my daughter and everything. Uh, so I watch, so I, I think I'm just going to talk about episode five this week and we'll save the final episode. So the show's over the final episode. It's only six episodes. It's so good. We'll save the sixth episode for next week because uh, there's like some big things happening. It's, it's it's pretty cool, and then oh my goodness, we have like the 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 I guess it's the series finale because I think they're just like one seasons series finale of the crowded room. Oh, that that was something, and then and hijack that was that was something as well. I mean, so so intense. So after this, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll talk about my options with the outro and you know see if there's anything else coming up. But uh, yeah, so that's it. Going to be it for you know, this week. Um, as far as the news, um, Gal Gadot mentioned One Woman Three. Maybe they're developing it, working on it with James Gunn and Peter Safran. I don't know. I mean, they they canceled, they scrapped it. They said it wasn't happening. So not sure what that means. And, and it was interesting. I saw an article, like some insider, I forget who, who, who it was, said that this, the story was nonsense. But it was an interview with uh, comicbook.com. It's like a video interview. Gal Gadot saying this. It's her words. So you know, it's not like rumor that it's being, you know, she actually said that. But then someone's saying that it's nonsense. And I, I think the idea is like, well, you know, they're rebooting the universe. So why would they go back and use it? But they never said it. They were completely against other things. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm all for it. You know, just, just thinking back to, you know, her, her cameos and the last couple of movies that, you know, she was in. She just seems like she has energy. And I'm, I'm sure you know that they, they could find a new wonder woman that could be you know great 
but something about about Gal Gadot. I mean, she just I don't know. It, she just really really captured the role, and and I, I think it works. So I'm fine with that. You know, absolutely 100 percent fine with that. We'll, we'll have just have to wait and see because who knows? <laughs> um, there's rumors. Apparently, maybe, possibly, Vanessa Kirby might be Sue Storm or Sue Richards, whatever, Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four. Mm. I, so, okay, first of all, it's, it's a rumor again. I, I feel like there's there's so many. I, I thought this was actual confirmed, but now it sounds like, again, it's like insiders or scoopers and, you know, rumors. So, who, who knows? Uh, she, I, I'm trying to think, like, what I know her. You know, I know she was in... She was in a Fast and Furious, right? She was in some of those, and she was in a Mission Possible, right? Uh, or maybe she was in a, not the Mission Possible. You know what I'm saying. You probably know what she was in. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I always, I always hated when, like, the, these movies came up, and, and, you know, back in the comic find days where people were, were like, you know, when we would get questions. I mean, the questions were great. I, I, I would welcome, you know, getting questions, you know, doing, doing that again. But a lot of times, you know, people were like, who, who would you cast as this or, or this? And I'm just the worst, I think, where, you know, even though I see all these movies and TV shows and stuff like that, I'm, I'm really bad with actors, and especially when it comes to like young Hollywood, because, you know, I, maybe it's at a point where I'm getting I'm older than these, you know, actors now where it's like, OK, who's going to play, you know, Dr. Doom? Who's going to play, you know, uh, Aunt May or, you know, Aunt May's already cast. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's it's like I'd have to I'd, I have to do like a lot of research to figure out. And there's just so many people out there when, when you look at like all the streaming shows and just everything. And even like with uh, <laughs> Gotham Knights, when I, when I look at that, uh, you know, I always comment how uh, uh, Dula Dent, you know, Joker's daughter, I, I thought she was uh, she was fantastic in that role. And I never had seen her before and she was in some other show and I can't even remember what the other show was. So, so there's all these actors that are doing all this stuff that people may know. And, and even like the, the new Superman guy, it's like, I don't know him from anything. I haven't seen anything he was in. I don't think so. I'm always bad when it comes to like, who would you cast as this? It's like, don't, don't ask me that. Give me uh, like an option. Ask me what I think about the casting and I'll tell you. So like Vanessa Kirby, she probably do it. I mean, if, if that's true, I'm, I'm going to, you know, support, uh, I, you know, I think Disney, Marvel, Kevin, you know, whoever, they're really on it. You know, they, they've they've done some some. I I would think, say I would agree with like maybe ninety nine percent of their their casting choices. So it's it's all about you know the then the, the actor making that character their, their own. So we'll see. You know, I always think about back to Jessica Alba. <laughs> if you ask me what I think about that, you know, I'll I'll, I'll tell you, but. I haven't been asked. Uh, and then uh, Joseph Quinn, possibly, maybe uh, Johnny Storm. There, there was like someone else that was was me- mentioned. And I, I think it was the same insider or whatever was saying, like, oh, this is who's going to be Johnny. And then he's like, uh, thanks for your, you know, whatever. But no, uh, you know, I'm not. <laughs> so you never know with these rumors. And, you know, again, if, if people 
things change, so you never know. And I'm not, I would, I'm not trying to accuse any anyone say, of making up stuff because I know some people do, and I'm not saying that's the situation here. You know, so whoever said that Vanessa Kirby is, is Sue Storm, maybe you know they they got some some good information there. But even if they're told that, you know, unless they're told specifically directly by the casting director, you never know what things can change. You know, last minute someone may be like really close to taking a role, and then they're like, oh, you wait, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that, or no, I don't like these terms. You know, so who, you never know. Uh, Secret Invasion. So now that that's over, there's something else I wanted to mention about that. I, I'm totally forgetting. There, there's something else. I was like, oh, I should have mentioned that. You know, now that the show's over, but. The, the director um, Ali Salim commented on you know why was there no post credit scene uh, you know on the show because usually everything you know always teases what's next and he felt that that the series was a complete story didn't need that you know he, I think he he said that well I shouldn't say anything but you know it's it's you know obviously setting things up where you know Nick Fury is going to be where he's at in the Marvels. So he didn't think, and whether there, there was ideas or anything like that, he's like, I wasn't, you know, involved with that. If there's any ideas being thrown around, you know, they didn't, you know, so as far as he was concerned, you know, there, there was nothing. Billy D Williams teased something. He said something, um, something's coming, something truly magnificent is coming soon. And he's talking about like, you know, dreams, you know, come true. And, you know, he's been waiting a long time and, so it's like, okay, what could that mean? But he, he closed the statement with, may the force be with you. So could he possibly, you know, be making an appearance in the Lando show whenever that comes out? There's no date for that. But we know, you know, uh, Donald Glover and his brother are going to be writing that. So maybe they're going to do like some like bookend or maybe, you know, like young Lando and old Lando. And you're, you're going to have like flashbacks, flash forwards and, you know. Maybe it'll be like, well, I guess there wouldn't be middle-aged Lando because that's Billy D. Williams. So we'll have to see. The tricky thing is, it's like, can he, I guess, you know, that that's, he can say that. Because the whole point is actors can't promote future things. They can't promote current and future project, which which is frustrating. Which uh, brings us to Stephen Amell. He had, had made a statement about, you know, he was against strikes, like striking and, you know, a lot of people took that. They're like, oh, you know, what are you saying? And everything like that. And, you know, he's, he's saying, you know, he tried clarifying his statement. You know, he's like, I support the, his union. You know, 100% he supports it. He's just, you know, he doesn't support the idea of striking. You know, he, he says that it's a, it's a reductive negotiating tactics. And, you know, because he's like, you know, no one want, wants a strike. And, and, and that, that's true. It's, but at the same point, it's it's like that's like kind of like your last ditch effort. You know, they're they're trying to make concessions, trying to reach an agreement, and there was like nothing. So when it comes down to it, you know, this this is like the the last straw. So now it's just a matter of who's going to cave first. And you know, we've heard the story where the execs are like, "Oh, just you know, let them strike," you know, because they'll run out of money soon, and then you know they'll be coming back, and which is completely disgusting, you know, thinking because you know these people are making so much money. Uh, it's it's just it's just gross. Speaking of making a lot of money, there's some some news. So you know, last week uh, saw Taylor Swift, and again, such an amazing show. And and you know, I I don't know if I quite put into words last week when you know my daughter and I talked about it. But there's just something about it because you know I've, I've been seeing a, a lot of like uh, clips on TikTok, you know, from from the the Santa Clara show, 
and you know just like other shows and everything but there, there's really something about it and you know i and i was actually had this like, like brief conversation with like you know high school buddy uh on facebook and about i didn't realize that he was like a fan of her you know because he's he's um i wouldn't call him a music snob but you know he has very you know sophisticated tastes and everything you know he's always been like very you know in it where i i think like sometimes you know i listen to stuff that might some people might consider garbage music and but it, it i find it fun and and whatever so the, the thing with, with with taylor swift i mean I, I i think she's an amazing person you know i think she's very talented and you know there's always a case that her music might not be for everyone and and that is totally fine you know you don't have to like it i'm not a big fan of her early stuff you know it's it's a little too country for me and you know i i will, will say that you know i have no problem with that but you know i, I do enjoy listening to her stuff and i i think it's very catchy and i think you know a lot of the lyrics and the like the, the composition and you know the everything is just it's very clever and and you know there are layers and and stuff like that you know if you really think about it it's not just about like making a pop beat for the radio you know there, there are there's some complexity to it and, and everything but i i think what's 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 great is that you know she's also an amazing person and you know there's words about like she gave like truck drivers like on her tour like she gave them a hundred thousand dollars like a bonus like each each driver and then but but then the story is less like no like there's actually more than that like some people were saying that and there is also, you know, following up with that, that she actually, all the bonuses that she gave to everyone involved in the show with, you know, production and catering and just everything was like $55 million. Now think about that. $55 million is how much she's giving. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's crazy. And, and, you know, you could look at it, it was like, oh, that's just a drop in a hat. You know, some reports are saying that she's going to be making like over a billion dollars on this tour. And when you look at that, some people might be like, like, oh, that's disgusting, whatever. But, you know, she she donates so much money. You know, you hear about all these stories. You know, I, I think I, I heard that, you know, she, during you know the pandemic, she paid her, her band and her dancers. She paid everyone what they normally would have been making because, you know, that way they're, they're hurting, too. And, you know, she has all this money. And, you know, she's constantly, you know, helping out, you know, s- struggling mothers and this and that and everything like that. And she doesn't like put out a press release, you know, she's not seeking the attention. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's really great that, you know, she, she's doing all, all this, but when you, when you look at the, the show also, you know, you're like, why is she, you know, she shouldn't be making that much money or whatever. And, and it, the show was, was three and a half hours. I mean, it was, it was like a 44 song set list, which is crazy. You know, most bands maybe get like, like 20, 20 something songs. She did 44. And, and I just think that's, that's insane, you know, and with, it's, it's just an, it's an elaborate production, you know, it's just a whole stage. If you've seen any clips and the costume changes and the choreography and just everything. So I, I think that's great. You know, $55 million. You know, I, I, I couldn't give some like a $55 bonus. It's just, it's, it's, it's great. Anyways, moving on. Uh, D- James Gunn, more DC stuff. He's said that like the animated DC movies will have theatrical premieres in theaters. So, so that's good. They're, you know, with the, the DC movies now, you know, they're they're good quality stuff, and I, I feel like a, a lot of it falls under the radar. You know, they're they're really straight to video, and then you know, then they're on, on streaming like shortly after that. And I feel like you know, a lot of people just kind of dismiss it because it just seems like, you know, whatever. So at least with this. You know, if, if you're going to put the money into it in the production, you know, why not try to get as many eyes on it? And by making it a theatrical release, it kind of elevates a little bit. You know, nothing again, you know, nothing against the, the home video releases, but 
that, that's good. My concern is, you know, what does that mean for the home video releases? And uh, with a Justice League War World, which I ended up not posting those. In, I just never got around to editing those videos just because of my, my traveling and everything like that. And just energy and, and just uh, being just discouraged with, uh, you know, how Comic-Con went. And just like, you know, other things that you know, I won't get into now. But, you know, they, they, I forgot how many movies they said, you know, they, they still have more movies planned. You know, they're going to, I think it might've been like three or four movies that they're, they're still, cause they're, they're constantly working on, they're always like, like two or three movies, like in the can, like ahead of time, by the time, you know, they're, the movie's coming out. So we still have more, but then after that, you know, who, who knows? Cause with, uh, DC studios, whatever they're calling taking over, you know, that, that could change the whole structure of that. So we'll see. Uh, Ahsoka, Star Wars, Rebels, whatever you want to call it. I think there. I don't know if this is the same trick. I think there's a trailer last week that I said I didn't watch, but I did. Uh, just just actually um, a couple days ago, I, I saw on Instagram. I saw like a, a trailer pop up, and I actually watched it. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen this. And there's some other information. So this might have been what came out last week. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I, yeah, I, I I'll admit that. I'm not looking forward to two episodes dropping at once, but that's that's another story. Blue Beetle, the Blue Beetle director, which I hope people see this. I, I, I really hope. I think it's August 18th. Yeah, I think that's that's when it's coming out. Uh, the director has referred to it as David Cronenberg for kids, which is interesting. I'm trying to think, like, what exactly that mean? You know, so I think there's maybe, like, some layers to it, but it's, like, not as dry maybe not, not dry. That's not a good word. But maybe not as complex. I don't know. I mean, but the part, like, for kids... Uh, hopefully it's not like dumbed down too much or maybe i don't know what that means so whether that's a good I, i'm assuming it's, it's it's supposed to be a good thing but the whole you know throwing in david cronenberg's name and i think that you know that to me that elevates a little bit um the continental show is coming out in september so i'm i'm interested in this i, I actually watched like a little featurette on the, the john wick 4 uh blu-ray and it, it the actually the, the clip that you see there's like this kind of it's like a star stairwell uh, fight scene and it, it's the choreography was just great in the action and uh, that got me really excited because when i heard this was coming out even though you know not, not to knock peacock i've been watching a whole lot of stuff on peacock but i was just like mm, okay you know how's this going to be and so that impressed me but one thing i didn't really think about and uh, apparently colin woodell is playing a younger incarnation of winston and that, that totally makes sense, you know, 100% makes sense. Like, why, why wouldn't Winston be in this if it's taking place in the 70s or whatever? So that, that even gets me more excited because I'm, I'm really curious, you know, because Ian McShane, you know, he does such a good job with the character. And, you know, he's, he has such a presence. And I, I couldn't imagine, you know, John Wick without uh, Winston because, you know, he's just there. So it'll be interesting, like, how did he get there? You know, running the Continental, being the Continental, whatever. So it, that makes me even more excited for that. And and then the, the last bit of news, nothing really here, but, you know, a Andrew Garfield kind of commenting about, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. And he's saying that, you know, whether they film or not, he's like, you know, there, there's endless potential with this character and other in in iterations and you because he's like you know there are stories happening in a universe somewhere so he's not saying that they're going to do anything but he's like you know whether or not they actually film it st stuff is happening you know the story's going on and you know we, we kind of got a glimpse of, of that you know when he, he kind of alluded to like you know, how things are and it i it would be interesting to, to revisit that and to see you know after how long has it been 10 years maybe more more than 10 years you know 
it would be be cool to see what you know what happened where is he at and after his uh experience with the other peters you know where where does he go from there so i i would hope that they would do that you know i i don't i don't see why we can't have more than one spider-man version and especially after that i don't think people would be too confused uh you know if we can have we had joker and the suicide squad and then we had the joker and people were fine with that and you know we had the batman even though this was before you know the other batman stuff was officially you know scrubbed so we'll see and uh we'll see what else is going to happen but that is going to be the news for the week all right then with comic books at image uh, i just realized i did not read black cloak number six it's crazy that it's only issue six i mean it's not coming maybe it's not coming out every four weeks like you know maybe it's every five weeks or every six weeks but i feel like it's it's been around longer and i'm really interested in this world that's being developed so this is by uh, kelly thompson and meredith mclaren so it's it's cool to see just a different species to different characters and then you know we have this this story you know this, this murder you know mystery so i'm really curious where this can go when it first started i was i was a i was a little reluctant just like okay this it, it felt like it was almost like too much like you know we have this massive world and all these creatures and and just trying to figure out like what's going on and then there's also things like okay well why am i going to care about this new character and you know that that's always a trick but as you you know read more and more it, it becomes you know more more fascinating and everything like that so i'm i'm really interested in that uh then there is a love everlasting issue 10 i'm so far behind with that and it's crazy that this is still going so i don't even know where it's at but you know this issues it says it's the end of the story arc so this is like the second story arc incredible unforgettable finale to the second arc joan desperately tries to find meaning in what has happened to her the suffering and the joy and as she tries the world she's come to know begins to collapse around her is she insane is anything real answers are finally here so i don't I, it, it says end of story arc it's not saying it's the end of the series so i'm really curious to see where this can go because that basically the the premise is what makes this fascinating it was always like you know the old school like romance comics and she would, you know, do had this character Joan. She's in all these different stories, but then something dark would happen or whatever. And then, you know, whether she gets killed or something happens, and then she ends up in this other story and another story, another and and then I think she starts to become aware of this. So it's almost kind of like a kind of made me think kind of sort of like quantum leap or something like that. You know, jumping around. So I'm I'm really curious, you know, what's been happening since since I I don't know if I've read any of the second arc. Um, then there was a new series by Rick Remender, uh, the sacri- or just Sacrificers. And so here's the thing. When I saw, I was like, Rick Remender, new series. Okay, I'm reading it. I didn't want to, re- you know, I looked at that cover. I'm like, that's an interesting cover. You know, we have someone with um, sort of like big flaming hair, or cloudy hair, or whatever, you know, it's orange. And I was like, you know, you see this blue, like bird people on the bottom. I was like, I have no idea what this is about. I'm just going to read it which was was interesting because i think that was the good call if you don't want to do that this is what the synopsis is because i actually i have not even read this yet so i'm reading this for the first time tomorrow is a harmonious paradise thanks to five families who make everything perfect for the price of one child per household see that you don't like get that right away the book's called sacrifice so obviously 
you know, you can see that coming. Now, as a, that bill comes due, a son expected to give everything for family that never loved him and an affluent daughter determined to destroy utopia must unite to end one generation's unnaturally protracted reign. I say I had no idea this This is like stuff that's not even, it's, to me, it's like minor spoiler, I think. But uh, this, this is, um, I'm, I'm really in, intrigued with this. So Max uh, Fiumara, Fiumara uh, is, is uh, doing the art here. So it's, it's, it's cool. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually excited for this, you know, especially Rick Remender, you know, I've, I've said it many before, he's a great writer and he's, he's a great guy. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to see where that's going to go. Um, then that was it for for image. Uh, see, time for time, volume four came out. I really need to get caught up on that as well. And see, I didn't read anything at Boom. I, I feel like it's been so long. I need to catch up on Boom stuff. And at Marvel, we had we had Amazing Spider-Man Annual. And what's weird about this is, I mean, even if you look at a cover, who's front and center to cover? It's uh, Janine, Ben Riley's girlfriend. Um, ben Riley, R.I.P. He's he's gone, right? He's not Chasm or King Chasm or locked away in limbo with uh, Madeline Pryor or whatever. We we have this story, and uh, it's it's basically Spider-Man, and you know he he comes across a demon, so he's like going after it, and then he has like a run-in with with Janine, and um, you know Janine wants to break Ben Riley out of this prison thing, and eh, whatever. And then after that, there's a Anna Watson story, uh, which is interesting. That person, you know, it's, it's supposed to be Anna's uh, birthday. And, um, you know, she had taken some of the, the mutant drug, the Krakoan drug, you know, because she, she was like really sick. And then, you know, from stuff that I did not read where, you know, the or- Orcus or whatever their s- stupid name is, you know, they, they've poisoned the, the drug. So there's like some, con- you know, they can control humans over it. And it's just a, the kind of, make mutants look bad and everything so we have some of that but what's interesting is uh paul that dude that mary jane you know met and was spent like all these years in this other dimension with he's there and it's just like i i was kind of of, after we we after the what happened with them i don't want to spoil anything in case you're like not reading but there is sort of a development that seemed like, oh, wow, that really, um, that kind of takes care of this one sort of obstacle in a, in a kind of harsh way. So I was like, well, maybe, you know, that that's going to be the end of Mary Jane and Paul, but apparently not. So, um, I mean, good for them, but I just, I don't approve of this guy. He, he, he doesn't have my blessing. Then there's an astonishing Iceman. Oh, um... So, spoiler, uh, in last week's uh, Fall of X or whatever, uh, Hellfire Gala, it appeared that Iceman died. <laughs> Apparently not. Obviously not. He's got his own series. And, uh, you know, someone else died, which I don't think I mentioned that, too, and, and I'm not buying that either. But here, we, we kind of find out what how he came back. And I'm not, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I must have kind of started skimming through it because I didn't quite pick it up. <sighs> So my my thing with with this, so Iceman has like a boyfriend in, in this, this series, but there's this incident going on, and, and he's you know trying to save some people, and and you know there's like some Sentinel stuff, you know attacking mutants and everything, and so he's saving some people, and then he like kisses a dude, which you know how do you even know that this this guy would reciprocate? 
And, you know, you know, they always say, you know, it's like, oh, he has Gator on or whatever. You know, they, they can tell. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know that. But the weird thing is, again, you know, you wouldn't have Spider-Man swing in and then smooch a damsel, you know, smooch a lady, you know, after saving them. And it, it just, it feels like, we, you know, we see this and, you know, I have 100% no problem with with. The, them kissing no problem with with I, i'm glad that if, if Ice, iceman has a boyfriend if he's happy and that's kind of the reason how he's back or whatever great but it's just like oh we have gay characters so let's let's have them kiss when when you know when was the last time you saw a hero kiss someone that they saved you know what male or female hero kissing someone of the the opposite gender so it just seems like like oh let's do it because now we can and okay you know whatever great you know it, it's it's stupid that it was such a taboo for so long just it doesn't have to be so extreme you know as we're trying to find that balance and and get it to where it should be i, I don't know but as far as the story i'm not quite sure what where where this is going what this means and part of it is because the whole x-men status now is in such a disarray because of you know mutants are are seen as a huge enemy and you know all of them are supposed to be hunted it's it's like the worst that it's been i think in in x-men history so but then it's like well why why you know i i get maybe why iceman has to be where he's at where his uh quote-unquote headquarters or bases is now but it's like why doesn't he meet up with the others do the others know that that he's alive i i don't know um there is a death of the venomverse <laughs> kill all venoms i should read this right i still couldn't bring myself to, to read it maybe i should but uh i just yeah i don't know if i, I can can actually do that uh dr strange this was this was kind of like mind-blowing i was just like like holy crap uh we find out i, I don't I'm trying to remember if, if there there was any mention of this of, of this war doctor war you know general strange or whatever we find out um and i don't think this is a I mean, I should look at what the synopsis is for this, because I don't know if this is... I don't want to spoil anything. Let's see. Doctor Strange 6. Uh, many years ago, Doctor Strange fought... Okay, so it's not a spoiler. It's in a synopsis, so it's out there. He fought in a 5,000-year battle called the War of the Seven Spheres. But what was it, and how did it create the mysterious threat that plagues Strange today? Uh, so, I'm trying to remember... I thought the last issue was dealing with like the wedding of, of Clea's mom and everything like that. I, did that get resolved that that whole story about you know the, the attack and stuff going on because then we get this story about this war and at first i'm like oh, this is kind of weird and everything like that but the fact that this is five thousand years old and you know the, the whole idea is is steven's body was kept at his current age and you know when the war was over he was going to be returned you know to the same time period or whatever blah 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 but it's just crazy to think i mean think about what 5,000 years, what, what does he learn? And, you know, he, cause he learned a lot of magic and he did a lot of things and he became just, you know, fighting a war for that long, you know, he became a totally different person. And it's, it's, uh, it's not, I, I don't want to necessarily say it's heartbreaking, you know, cause it didn't quite tug at my emotional strings in it, but it's, it's just a, a horrible thought in that. And then where is this going to go from there? You know, you know, why are we hear, hearing the story now? What does this mean? I think that's going to be like really interesting. We'll have to see. One thing that I mentioned, they've been doing this uh, like one page um, in, in certain comics written by Jonathan Hickman. So you may have seen the, the teasers about who are the gods, G period, O period, D period, S period. 
And we're, we're getting all these in, in different comics, which is interesting that, you know, Jonathan Hickman is getting credit for all these. So when all these, like, you know, Doctor Strange uh, trade paperback, Spider-Man trade, you know, so he's going to get credit for all this. So he's probably going to get a, a portion of the sales for all those trades. Is that how it works? I don't know. Uh, I, with this, uh, who are these gods? I don't know. I mean, I'm not super excited from these like one page teases because I don't know who these characters are and I don't know what this means. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little reluctant or a little hesitant about, you know, just holding this new concept being pushed into the Marvel universe, but it's Jonathan Hickman and, you know, he's, he's an amazing writer, so I'm sure it'll be cool. But so far I'm just like, mm, okay, where's this going to go? Fantastic four issue 10. This was another weird one where it felt like, wait, what's going on here? Because there's like this ship out in space. It's a colony ship with all these, you know, this whole you know, bunch of people, race or aliens in like these uh, stasis pods and stuff like that. And, you know, one person has to take the control and everything. It's like this hundred, you know, hundreds of years thing. But then there's getting there's like things happening. They're getting attacked and stuff like that. And then there's like like images of the Fantastic Four. It's like what's going on? Why are they attacking? And you see like a drawing on the wall, like you know, crude drawings of of the team. And what does this mean? And then eventually, you know, over the time, you see the Fantastic Four out in space. It's like wait, why are they there? It's like they're they're hanging out on Ben Grimm's, uh, you know, Aunt Petunia's farm. And I'm trying to think, it's like, did that story get wrapped up? I'm like, I'm, I feel like I, I did not read some comics, but the whole thing where, you know, half the team was being controlled. And so I, I guess that was resolved. I just, I just missed it. Uh, yeah. So it was just some like weird, you know, time travel. So, so it, it was a, inter- it was kind of interesting story, but uh, I, again, I didn't love it as much as I love some of the other ones. Then we have Magneto, number one, uh, Todd Knock art and Rachel Rosenberg color. So that that is great right there. That that's that's um, really awesome. I'm not the biggest Magneto fan. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, which I don't know. I haven't probably when you listen to this, I don't know if I post it yet. But I did get the the Hasbro uh, helmet. You know, like the hundred dollar helmet. And uh, it, I just think it's a really cool design. But I'm not a big Magneto fan. Uh, but, you know, how can I resist? How can I say no to, you, you know, do I want a Magneto helmet? Heck yeah. So uh, it, there's a video coming for that if I haven't posted it already. So w- with this story, this takes place, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's J.M. J. DeMatteis. You know, he, he's a great writer. But this is also one of those stories because when this was coming out and, and, you know, I, was, I actually talked to Todd very briefly, you know, because when he was talking to some people at his table about, you know, he's doing Magneto and then he was describing it. Because at first I was like, oh, I was because I thought it's like, how can we have a Magneto story when Magneto is supposedly, and I'm doing air quotes, dead? You know, he, he died and he couldn't be resurrected. And now, of course, the whole X-Men resurrection thing is is kind of thrown out the window temporarily, at least. So, so this is kind of like one of those flashback stories, and this is taking place, you know, after Xavier had left. So this is like after Uncanny X Men was two hundred, and you know Magneto's in charge of stool of the school. He's with the you know in charge of New Mutants and all that. It was an okay story. Uh, I, there's just something about these these flashback stories that while I I welcome them, I can embrace them, but sometimes I don't. Know, it just feels like. Even when you have like the same writers of the era or whatever, it just it feels like it's missing something, and I, I can't quite quite place my finger on it. You know, when you look at like the Peter David's you know Spider Man stories or just whatever, and if you go back and read those, you know, read the, the old issues, it just it something feels 
off. It doesn't feel like it's actually taking place in that era. And, you know, maybe it's the coloring or the paper quality or whatever, or the fact I'm reading it digitally. I, I, I can't quite place my finger on it. So with this, it's interesting because, you know, we have Magneto and the, the kids, you know, some of the new mutants, they respect him, but they also, they don't, you know, because they're like, they, they think he's he's like a hypocrite. You know, he's talking about embracing, you know, you know whatever, doing all this stuff. They're like, but dude, you're the one that threatened to kill all of, you know, humanity and, and stuff. So there's some interesting stuff, but we'll see where this goes. Uh, yeah, there's a character that appeared at the end. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where, where that's going to go. Um, going along with that, which I should mention, then there's Scarlet Witch. I, I kind of stopped reading this, this issue. I was like reading it and, you know, I, I love Wanda. I love the character and, you know, I'm really intrigued with this, you know, this magic shop she has and the, the door that opens up for people who are in need and, and stuff like that. But uh, this one, there's like some dude and it's like Wizard of Oz stuff. And I'm just like, where, where is this going? And and then, you know, last issue we had, you know, speaking of Magneto, it's like, wait, Magneto's there? But then what what's annoying, and I don't know what the synopsis for this says, but I think it was in the the, the next issue um, description thing where it mentioned what is actually going on. So let me see. Uh, Wanda swore to help anyone who walked through her door, but what happens when that person is a villain? When Nelson Gruber, a.k.a. Bookworm, comes through the last door seeking aid to kill the wicked witches in a corner of Oklahoma that has been transformed into the Emerald City, Wanda must choose between honoring her covenant and going against her own principles. Now the Scarlet Witch has attracted attention of dangerous new foe, introducing uh, Nicole, Nicola Zosimos, a.k.a. Hexfinder. So basically, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, okay, Magneto's dead, but Magneto shows up. It's not Magneto. So, but, but the, the, the fact that it was like spoiled right away, I'm like, are you serious? You're, you know, you're not going to, because he even has like this little pin on his jacket. It's like the Magneto, the little thing in the middle of his helmet in the front. But when we, um, so I, I, I didn't like, I kind of skimmed through the middle of the comic and I was like reading the last couple of pages and this, this hex finder, it you know yeah you you want these villains you know you, the character i say this all the time characters need the villain otherwise there's no story to tell but seeing this this like that ah, ah, i'm gonna get the scarlet witch <laughs> it's just like okay i mean i am not excited for that but you know you need the mustache twirling villains even though it's not you know she doesn't have a mustache but i don't know um then there's moon knight uh what was interesting about moon knight you know, it wasn't really about Mark Spector. You know, we have Hunter's Moon here, and you know, uh, he actually goes to that that doctor psychiatrist, and you know, starts telling you because we don't really know a whole lot about his story. So there are some interesting things here, and um, uh, Doctor Badir, however you say his name. So I, w- you know, I'm not the bi- I was not the biggest fan of his in the beginning, but you know, I'm I'm coming around to him. You know, he he has some importance. Uh, Strange Academy, Miles Morales, uh, part one of three, Sulfur X. I started reading this. I, I mean, I'm, I liked Strange Academy. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I can't say that the characters are like my favorite characters, or whatever, but there's something about it. You know, it's, it's been really fun. You know, Scotty Young has been, you know, doing a good job of introducing all these characters and everything, but this was not written by Scotty Young. And then we have Miles Morales. There's like this, uh, the school X or just some, Oh, I forget what it is. The the Strange Academy. They go, they go to like Miles School. There's like a what is it? It's like a, a conference. 
Uh, let's see. School's back in session. Strange Academy is kicking off the school year. It's a field trip to New York City to throw down against Brooklyn Visions Academy in the Multiversal Math Bowl. Okay? When a mysterious new villain crashes the mathletics, the students of Strange Academy must team up with Miles Morales to stop his plots. <laughs> so, okay, first of all, first of all, Miles' school in a multiversal math bowl. It just, it just, just does not jive. I don't care what Miles has, has involved himself with, whether it's carnage or demons or whatever. You know, his school is a regular school. So it just, it, it just, it does not make sense. So even though strange things happen in New York City all the time, you know, they, they, you know, they just had the whole, whatever the whole demon thing with Madeline Pryor and Spider-Man. And, you know, you got mailboxes turning into monsters and, and stuff. It just doesn't make any sense. And it just, I started, I, I stopped reading. I was like, I can't read this. And then even looking at the cover for the next issue, which has Moon Knight on there, I'm just like, and, and the other thing is like, I, I hate to say it, you know, I, I love Nick Bradshaw. I think his, his art is so good. I, I follow his Instagram religiously, you know, amazing art pics. You know, I always, you know, post whatever he can, but, you know, looking at Miles on the cover, that doesn't look like Miles. You know, it looks like too, too, too beefy, whatever. But anyways, aside from it, it just, it didn't really feel like Miles and, you know, Miles wouldn't be in the mathletes. He barely has time to attend classes. And then he's, and he's giving like a speech introduction to the, the mathletes. Uh, I just, uh, I, I didn't like that. Star Wars, uh, dark droids. This, this was weird. At first I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to read this, whatever. But then I was like, oh, okay. Charles Soule's writing it. So this is, a. Uh, this is kind of scary in a way. Uh, let's see. A Star Wars epic like you've never seen before. Who or what is the Scourge? And why is no droid safe? As a corruption spreads from one droid to the next, the Rebellion and the Empire face chaos. What role does Ajax Sigma play in all this? And whose side is he on? I'm not really familiar with Ajax. I I'm, I'm got the impression you know this character's been around. Um, find out when horror comes to galaxy far, far away. Charles Souls continues his legendary run in Star Wars with the most ambitious event in Star Wars comics history. So this is a yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, basically, the droids are being infected and take over, and and uh, I shouldn't say, it, but they they do some massive damage. I'll just say that. So this is yeah, this is nuts. Uh, Star Wars Yoda. We have Yoda on Dagobah and everything like that. And uh, Ghost Obi-Wan, basically, he's like, hey, why don't you go in that dark dark side cave and face your nightmares? And and he does it. And uh, so it's it's kind of interesting to see, like, what darkness, you know, what's eating away at Yoda and stuff like that. You know, what could he possibly be afraid of, if anything? So we get that. Warlock Rebirth, issue five. I need to go back and read this because I... I I love Ron Mars and Ron Lim. Um, and just looking at that cover, as it makes me want to read it. And I don't know how I missed the first issue. What if um, Dark? So this is Venom. Uh, this one does get kind of dark. It's uh, basically taking place uh, after Amazing Spider-Man 258 when uh, Peter Parker, when Spider-Man is separated from the, the symbiote costume when Reed's like, it's alive, you need to get that off. And then it's, you know, sitting in a lab and Reed's investigating everything like that. So basically Ben Grimm stops by and he kind of, he's like, you know, he sees, he's like, what's under this tarp? And he sees the, the glass case with the symbiote. And then, you know, it's like banging on it. And he's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be in there. You're just a monster like I am or whatever. They end up joining forces because the creatures, or the symbiote's like, you know, he's, 
he's dumb or not dumb, but he's strong. So it, it feels like it could use him. So Ben joins with it. Reed's like, what are you doing? And everything like that. And Ben leaves because uh, it, it's able to mess or turn his, do something with his molecules so Ben can turn human. So he's like, oh, you're just mad. This thing is able to cure me and you couldn't do that. But then obviously Ben gets manipulated and things go dark. Things get really dark. So it's it's a, not a happy ending. And speaking of a not happy ending, uh, X-Men 25, it, it's kind of tragic. I, I love this issue, but it, it's at the same time, I'm kind of I'm like, I feel bad that I loved it so much. So, you know, this is Jerry Duggan, which I, I love that. But you look at that cover and after the gal and everything, you know, things have gone dark. And the interesting thing is, you know, for the longest time, all, everything, uh, Kitty Pride, Kate Pride, Catherine Pride, she couldn't go through the, the, the Krakoan gates. You know, she, all mutants could go through these gates and they could teleport from, you know, around the world or onto different planets and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, she couldn't. And, it, you know, it only works for mutants, but just for some reason, she couldn't. She could face through anything. She can't walk through this gate. But now the gates have been corrupted. Mutants can't go through there, but she can. So it's like, what the heck does that mean? Anyway, so we we ha- we there, we saw in the gal issue where she like falls through, and then this takes place, you know, some weeks later. So we don't like find out like what happened after that. X Men are all scattered. They're trying to you know regroup and figure out what's going on because there's so many you know so few mutants around. And, you know, we even see, like, Emma, you know, she's wearing a disguise and stuff like that. And she, she takes Kamala home. And the whole explanation, you know, because she's like, well, you know, my parents think I'm dead. And, you know, they don't know that she's Miss Marvel. And and then, you know, both of them died. And then now both of them are back. She's like, they're going to put two and two together. But Emma's like, I'll take care of that, you know, psychically or whatever. Then when they, they meet up and they're like one of the Morlock tunnels or like that. And Emma's like, you know, Kate, you know, Catherine, she's like, you never told, you know, what happened when you went through the gate. And she's like, no. And we see what happens. And basically, it's like, this is the thing that's always driven me nuts. So in uh, Wolverine and Kitty Pride, six-issue miniseries that took place like uh, um, mid-80s, like 80, probably 85, I think. I Don't quote me on that that date. But it was after Secret Wars. So it was after, after X-Men, Uncanny X-Men 182, 85, somewhere around there she gets like regressed to a child and then she's like kind of like mentally like physically whatever trained to be a ninja by ogun so wolverine's like old teachers like demon he's not really demon but he's just like horrific ninja dude basically kitty pride's a ninja we've seen glimpses of that here and there you know she can she can take someone out and i I still remember there's this one issue of excalibur when she goes to this like girls school and she's on a soccer field and there's like some mean girls and her son and then then she's like just standing there where you know she was able to like hide in plain sight like you know ninjas are supposed to be able to do so i just loved you know little things like that where you know we don't really see her cutting loose but here oh my goodness we see like hardcore ninja kitty pride and it is glorious, but like I said, it's also kind of tragic because she's such a good character that you don't necessarily want to see her having to go down this dark path. And it's, it's kind of like with everything that's going on and, and how, you know, where are all the mutants? You know, have they been killed or they're gone? You know, we don't we don't know what, what what's going on. And so things are just very desperate. So it's a. Uh, this was some. I mean, this is probably like my favorite X Men issue in, in a long time, and uh, it's just it's it's just crazy, and it's 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 sad. But I just love the character so much, and um, 
I, I feel like that this is like the respect, you know, she, not that she, you know, should be going around killing all the people, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not for that. I don't support that. I, I don't really, you know, I'm not like, oh, Punisher's so cool or, you know, whatever. I don't think, you know, characters need to kill, but the potential, what, what she could do and then combine that with her phasing powers. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's kind of scary in, in a way. Um, then at DC, so I didn't read uh, everything at DC and, um, you know, I like as as I've been kind of mentioning, and I'm not going to go into details, but I'm I'm having some some uh, some conflict with with DC. So there's I'm having some problems with with the with, with the books, uh, whatever. But that's you know not really what we're here to talk about. So one thing we had uh, Justice Society of America uh, issue. What issue is this? Um, so I'm trying to. The other thing is like I can't since they're not in previews, but I think they updated, I mentioned before how like DC, DC.com was like not updated, but it looks like it is, but where is, okay. Justice Society of America issue five. Um, it's Jeff Johns and, uh, Mikhail John and, and, um, this is just such, such a, a great book. So it's, um, like I would almost be tempted to get the trade paperback for this. Cause you know, this kind of, I think this is the end of the first story arc. And there's like some big implications, like, well, where is it going to go from here? You know, especially with this one character. So I just, I, I'm really loving that. And it, it's weird because I've never been like the biggest Justice Society of America fan, but even like Jeff Johns, you know, when he was doing the series before, I just, I, I, I didn't start it in the beginning, but then when I started reading it, I'm like, oh, I just, I really, really like this. So um, I, I highly re recommend that. Then um, there was Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number six. So this like concludes the uh, Injustice um, storyline where you know he he goes there and he's dealing with the uh, you know kind of evil, whatever Superman. That that was it was okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was. Uh, I don't know if it's the ending that many people would want, but in a way that that's kind of a good thing that it kind of goes a different route. So I'll just say that city boy issue three came out. I didn't read that. I'm kind of curious. I probably should go, should get, get that. Look at that. Um, night terrors ravager. So we, we still have the night terrors book and that's the other thing I'm, I'm reading some of these books. And as, as I start reading, I'm just like, I, I can't really get into this because it's all like, oh, here's a bad nightmare. Here's this fake stuff and everything like that. And you know, nothing's going to happen. And that's basically what, what goes on here. We see some of Rose. I mean, I love Rose Wilson. There's something about that character. I just think she's really cool. I don't know what it is. It's just like, okay, at the end, it's like, oh, she's out of the dream. Then like, let's go back, you know, heading to Stormwatch or whatever she's doing. So I, I don't know what we really get out of that. Uh, Steelworks issue three. Uh, I'm still on the fence with this. Um, you know, John Henry Irons is, is trying to set up this new uh, security protocol, and he's got this new thing that could change everything. And because his whole thing is like, you know, we're not going to need heroes, and you know, he's got this this you know new technology that could change everything. So it's like, is that really going to be unleashed or not? Because you know, what's going to happen? And of course, you know, then they're getting attacked. You know, because there's always someone attacking, which is just annoying because that's what villains do and stuff like that. So you know, we we got that going on. Um, Night Terrors, Poison Ivy, issue two. I didn't. I didn't even get this issue. I, I didn't look at it, and um, I was kind of remotely interested in the first issue. But again, it's just like, okay, here's a bunch of fake stuff. You know, Harley and and Poison Ivy are in the suburbs, living next to Batman and Catwoman. They're barbecuing, and you know, Batman's wearing a cowl while wearing like shorts and a 
Hawaiian shirt or whatever. I just like I I can't I can't take the time to to read that. You know, I just just couldn't get into it. That being said, Night Terrors the Joker number two. I had to read this because Matthew Rosenberg and you know it's like that borderline humor and absurdity, even though you know you know it, it's a nightmare story. So that that I, I could get into because it's it's just it's it's weird and goofy that you don't know what to expect. There was a Night Terrors Black Adam, which I didn't read because I'm I kind of don't care about Black Adam. I don't know if it's just an arrogance or whatever. I don't know. Um, then there is Night Terrors batman um i did read this and um yeah there's like just some stuff where you know batman's visiting a nightmare of the alley and you know then it's like you know he wanted to be batman you know he wanted his parents to get killed but he's like no and blah 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 and then there's a backup story with with uh roy harper and black canary um fighting the dream stuff so it's like i don't know and um i think that was it let's see I'm pretty sure that was it for DC. I just, I don't know how I feel about these nightmare books. I mean, and there's, they're still going on. Cause I think there's like the night terrors, like the main book, there's like an issue three and four. So I thought this was just going to be like a two issue thing. Like it'd be over by now, but I guess it's still going. That's going to be it for comics, but the podcast is still going to keep going. So that's comics for the week. All right. Now the finale episode 10 of the crowded room. This, this, like I said, this this show this this is so such an intense show, and uh, I I mean I, I don't know if I should mention this now or at the end, but this whole series was just it it's so hard to describe it. It's so powerful, it's so captivating, but it's also kind of kind of disturbing in a way. Just like the 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 subject matter, the topic, and and it's it's so heartbreaking. It, I as I watch this, I don't often think about about this, but I, I was like, man, Tom Holland should should get an Emmy for this, and you know, it's a strong performance, but it's also it's it's the story and the writing, and and which goes along with you know we have the writer strike and actor strike. It's like you you need all of these combined, and and, and yeah, you know, you, you got the the direction, the, the the cinematography, the set, the costumes, the location, you know, all all it all comes together. It's, it's all powerful. So obviously, when you look at these scenes, you're gonna be like, oh, Tom Holland, and and yeah, you should, you know, he stands out. But it's just everything that that comes together, and that's why you know we need you know the spread the wealth basically you know it shouldn't just be and i don't know how apple treats its its uh its people i you know i feel like they're putting out so much content and i always wonder it's like how you know do you pay for all this stuff you know and yeah you get your subscribers but i mean unless they're you know selling physical media doing other things i i don't know you know maybe they're selling you know individual episodes and on iTunes, do they even still use iTunes? I use iTunes, I whatever. But you get what I'm saying. So it was just, it was, it was so impactful. And and there was times in this episode. I mean, I, you know, I, I will. I'm not afraid to admit it. I mean, I, I was tearing up. I was crying, tears rolling down my face. And it's just a thought. And and maybe it's because you know, being a parent, and you know, you just you don't want. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, being a parent, being a teacher, you know, my, my heart breaks for these kids. It's like, you know, you don't want to see any kid suffer at all. 
And, and, you know, it, it doesn't matter if, if they're a little, little jerk or a little, you know, pain in the butt or anything like that. It's like, no one should have to go through this. You know, children, they have such innocence, even when they think they know it all. Cause you know, me teaching middle school, some of these kids, they, they think, you know, they're, they're, they're King poop or whatever. And, you know, they, they know everything, but you still don't want anything to happen to them. I and mean, they're just so vulnerable. You know, they, they may think they know it all, but there's just so much evil, out there <laughs> and, and uh it just i just don't understand the, the uh, whole how someone can be like a predator and just like take advantage and just just to do things and uh, it's just it's so disgusting and uh, so let, let's just start with this episode so judgment this is it now remember last episode uh it, it's it's not good it's like morning at the prison it's like wait Danny just like sliced up his wrist, right? Didn't he do something like that? So we see Danny's lying in his cot and then there's like some tears on his face and he's lying next to Ariana. There's like, you know, on, on her like looking at each other and she's like, oh, you're a sort sight for sore eyes. But then she's like, you know, you know, she kind of mentions like, well, you know, what does that really mean or anything like that? Then she says that uh, that's not what she wants to talk about though. Uh, you know, he asks if she saw the sunset and the colors, and she's like, "You can't even see them from here." He's like, "Oh, but I can imagine it." He's like, "It turns out I'm I'm good at that." And then she tells him, "She's like, okay, Danny, stay with me, because you know he's he's obviously lost a lot of blood. You know, if it's if it's daylight now, and he's 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 like, oh, I, I got this, whatever." She's like, "No, you don't." She's like, "You need help." She's like, "Let me help," and he's he's like, "Oh, I I can keep you out now," and she's like, "Well, fantastic, you know, hooray for therapy." Then she, she's like, Danny, stay awake. She's like, let me in. And he's like, oh, it's so quiet. He's like, it's never been this quiet before. Then he closes his eyes and she tries like waking him. She, some, she manages to shove him off the bed and he like, you know, hits, hits the floor. And you can see like the side of his shirt's like red and there's like more blood. You know, it just starts like pooling on, on the floor underneath his arms. And then we see Stan. He goes to like some, you know, pharmacy, whatever, doctor place. And, and he's trying to get like a refill on a prescription. The dude tells him, he's like... I don't think this guy was a doctor. I mean, maybe uh, whatever, not a, not a full, I don't know what he was. Maybe he's a nurse. I don't know. But he's like, you just got the, you know, the, the refill like two weeks ago. And Stan's like, well, I just need them to get through the trial and then I'm done. And the guy's like, sorry, man. And then, you know, Stan goes to leave, but then he starts yelling. He's like, I served my country and now I come here like a beggar and I still get nothing. And he's going on. So then dude, like he calls him back. He's he slips in this little envelope and he's, he's like, you need to, you know, book, book to see the doctor. So Stan arrives home, you know, he opens a little envelope, pours it in, like into the bottle, takes a couple of pills, phone rings, and he's like, oh, yes, your honor. So the judge is calling him. Raya is talking, I think, to the dean at her school. He says that she missed her proposal deadline and she, you know, she's been absent from several classes. And she's like, so not great for tenure. And he's like, Raya, the testimony's over. You've done what you can for this boy. It's time to step away from the case. And she just like doesn't say anything. And he's like, good girl. Don't let emotions get in the way to work we do. And he starts to walk away. And then she's like, why not? And he turns around. He's like, I'm sorry. She says, I mean, aren't emotions the whole reason we do what we do? And he's like, Raya. And then she's like, and if they aren't, shouldn't they be? And instead of answering, he's like, I'm late for dinner. I'll see you in class. So she arrives home at night you know she gets out of the cab and stands like sitting on her on her steps you know head like sunk over and then and she's like stan he's like uh we got to talk so then they're inside and she's like suicidal ideation is textbook how did i not see that coming and he's like don't do that 
And she says, he was in my care stand. There's a long line of people who let this kid down. Don't make it about you. She says, are you a shrink now? I'm just saying, all we know is if they hadn't heard him fall off his bunk, he'd be dead. You know, right now, we just got to hope he makes it through tonight. So then this morning, we see Danny lying in a prison hospital like the sun comes up. We see Raya, uh, you know, she's like still sleeping in bed. Stan is on, I think it was his couch, pretty sure it looked like the, the windows that they showed earlier. Danny opens his eyes. So then Stan and Raya arrive at the hospital. So he, all he was told is that, you know, that Danny was conscious. And, and he's like, well, they, they also cleared him to be back in court by the end of the week. She's like, what? She's like, is that a joke? Stan says, you know, as far as the court's concerned, all he needs to hear is two closing arguments and a verdict. You know, he's healthy enough for that. She's like, asked about the jury. And he says, well, the judge is calling it a medical delay, which is good for us. Juries tend to take a suicide attempt as a sign of guilt. They enter his room. Raya's like, thank God. She's like, are you okay? How do you feel? Are you in pain now? Is there anything you know, I can get for you? He's like, Danny? And he Danny is safe. It's Jack. But he is also not here. Nor will he be coming. And for that, you only have yourself to blame. And she's like, please let me talk to him, Jack. I think we all know that how that turned out last time. She's like, that's unfair. All I've been trying to do is help. Imagine in a matter of days that Danny is in prison. And by the look of things, that seems quite inevitable. So ask yourself... Whose help does the boy most need, yours or mine? No, I think we've had just about enough of your help, so go find yourself another lost cause. I'll handle it from here. Nurse, I'm terribly tired and would like to rest now, please. And he says to them, but thank you both very much for coming to visit me, doctor, counselor. And we see Jack, like, standing in a barn in, like, the spotlight. You know, he's alone. And he's like, really? Too kind. I'm sure I'll be seeing you. And they, they have, like, no choice but to leave. So then in the barn, we see Jack like walks away from the light. And he's like, that's another fine mess you've gotten me into, Stanley. And he's like, Laurel and Hardy? No, I suppose not. So he closes like jail cell in the barn. And you know he's like, I did tell you this would happen. The world out there is not for you, my boy. It never was. It's too bloody cruel. And we see Danny like sitting with his head down, his like knees to chest, like sitting on some hay. Be a good lad. Stay put, won't you? Don't make me fill this place with water. And then Danny like looks up at him. We understand each other. And he just like walks away. And then Danny like lays down on, on the hay. Raya and Stan sit like at a diner. He tells her that, you know, she should eat something. And she's like, he was at the point where he was able to have some control over his alters. She's like, Jack must have reasserted himself. Stan says, maybe the kid didn't want to come out after, you know, all he's seen. Why would he? And she says, what do we do, Stan? We lose, Raya. And she's like, there's got to be something. There was no suicide note. Stan takes a couple pills as, as, you know, she's talking. He's like, no, but this, this was on, on his bunk with him. It's like a drawing of Adam. She says, so what is it you're taking? Clonopin hand over fist to treat? And he's like, stuff from the war. And she's like, stuff from the war? What do you mean? Can you elaborate? He sighs. He's like, PTSD. I was young, ROTC and all that. I was too young for command and things didn't work out so well. She's like, what do you mean? You lost, you lost men? He's like, yeah. I lost a lot of men and I take responsibility for that. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, I just told you I was ROTC. So you volunteered. That makes what happened your fault. He's like, well, you could look at it that way. Yeah. She's like, sure. Or you were at war and you were a kid, right? He's like, stop. He's like, does anything about this face say, please analyze it. And she said, that's the thing, Stan. Everybody who's gotten hurt has some kind of story. They tell themselves, I shouldn't have been walking alone at night. I shouldn't have worn a short skirt. And he's like, yeah. 
I, I shouldn't have. And she's like, continues, I shouldn't have gotten angry. I shouldn't have talked back. We make the bad things that happen to us our fault. It's a way to imagine that we have some control, but we don't because bad things happen. So until we accept that it's not all our fault, we're not going to be able to begin to heal. And then she's like, kind of stops. She trails off. And he's like, you okay? You smelling toast? She's like, oh my God, that's it. Let's get this to go. She's like, I'll explain in the ride. Do you have a car? Is it close? He's like, I have a close car. She's like, all right, it's, it's going to rain. We got to go. Can you pay the check, please? And she makes a call on the payphone as, as he goes to pay. So they're driving, and she's like, so the reason we lost, and he's like, technically, we haven't lost yet. She's like, yes, but say we have. Why? Stan says, because we need to show abuse in a way that convinced the jury. And she says, and we did the opposite. He's like, yeah, well, you know, we can thank Candy for that. And she says, and I'm not credible because Danny doesn't know that he was ever abused, just Adam. He's like, right, I understand. So maybe we have the wrong witness. What happened to Danny? What happened to Adam? None of it was Danny's fault. But he doesn't know that. His guilt, his shame, they're keeping him from being able to see what really happened. So we have to show him. That's what works with Danny. He's beautiful that way. He will fight you, but when you show him the truth, eventually he will believe you and he'll be able to see what really happened. And so will the jury. Then they pull up to this hospital and a nurse hands Rye like a big envelope. At first, I'm like, wait, is that a nurse? Because she doesn't say anything to her. She just like hands it to her and she leaves. 99% sure that was Candy. I mean, it has to be. That's the only thing that makes sense with what happens after this. So then uh, then we, because we, then there's, there's like no no voiceover. Then we see like Rye talks to the dean. Stan goes to the courthouse. Then we see Rye is writing some notes. And then we see uh, you know, Stan Caesar sitting in a hall. He's like, I thought you had a class. And she's like, uh, that ship has sailed. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, I told the dean I needed to take another day off. He said I need to make a choice. And Stan's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, who wants to be a professor anyways? They're old. I don't want to be old. Nobody wants to be old. She's like, Stan, is this going to work? And he's like, you're asking me? And then Maddie Detective comes and you know wishes Stan luck. You know, Stan walks off. And he tells Riot that, you know, Things don't always work out the way you want. He mentions that, you know, she put her whole heart into, you know, things like this thing. And no matter what happens, that's worth a lot. And he tells her, you know, take care. In the courtroom, Danny Jack walks in. You know, the jury's brought in. Jack says that it's, it's strange stepping onto the pitch, you know, as the clock winds down. The game is already lost. And he's like, I just wish I'd done it sooner. And, you know, I might have enjoyed this. So he like leans back and he like winks at Raya. He's like, he's such a, I, what is this? You know, he's just concerned about his survival as an altar. He doesn't care what it means, you know, that, that Danny's going to go to jail and who knows what harm could come to him. Stan's like, one more witness, your honor. The defense calls Danny Sullivan to the stand. And Patricia like smiles and kind of chuckles herself. Jack like looks smug and slowly gets up and he gets sworn in. And Stan's like, for the record, please state your full name and address. He's like, Daniel Sullivan, Nine Elm Ridge. And he's, he's not quite talking with the accent right now. You know, he's obviously faking it to sound like Danny. So he's like, Nine Elm Ridge, El, or Nine Elm Road, Elm Ridge, New York. And then Stan's like, only that's not true, is it? And Jack's like, I'm fairly certain that is my address. He's like, not your address, your name. Are you Danny Sullivan? Of course I'm Danny Sullivan. Who else would I be? Isn't your name Jack? And then Patricia's like, objection, whatever the defense is playing at. And he, and Stan's like, your honor, Danny Sullivan has presumption of innocence. It is his right. And in this case, that requires that we at least consider that this is not Danny. I'll allow it. 
Your Honor. And Sam's like, I'd like to talk to Danny. Uh, that you are, sir, in the flesh. And we see like Jack in the barn like talking. And he's like, I'm up here. I'd very much appreciate the chance to tell my side of the story, if that's okay. And Sam's like, okay, Danny, go ahead. So he like slowly looks at the jury. He's like, I hated my stepfather. Before he came, it was just my mom and me. And when he did, he treated her terribly. I guess you could say he was abusive to her. I begged her to leave, but she was so scared. Well, she was convinced that he'd find her and hurt her. I guess that's why I stayed so close to home. The abuse never stopped. If anything, it only got worse. All I wanted was to scare him into leaving. I know what I did was wrong, and I take full responsibility. And P Patricia seems like a little surprised, and you know, he looks at the jury's like reaction, and stands like, "Your Honor, I have a hostile witness." And the, the, the judge is like, "That hostile witness is your client." And stands like, "And as I said, I don't believe he is." Danny's like, "Mr. Camisa or Jack," he's like, "I really." Stan says, I just need a little leeway if you'll allow it, Your Honor, please. Mr. Kamisa, you are embarrassing yourself. And Stan's like, yeah. He grabs a sketchbook. Okay, let's agree to disagree. Holds up a drawing of Jack. That's a handsome guy, wouldn't you say? Indeed. And I, I think it was in a judge like Mr. Kamisa. He's like, please, Your Honor. And he holds up a Danny and Adam drawing. And he, he's like, now, who is the other boy in this drawing? And we see like Jack look over to Danny like in the barn. And he's like, that is Adam. Stan's ass, you know, and who is Adam? I don't see how this is relevant. Stan's like, but you're not in charge here. You have to answer the question. So Jack's like, this is entirely fruitless line of questioning, your honor. Stan says, answer the question, Jack. And he's like, I will do no such thing. And Patricia kind of like sits up at this. And, you know, Danny is like standing at the, at the cell door in the barn. Judge like, the witness will answer the question. So Jack's like, Adam is was my twin brother and Sans like Danny's twin brother he's like I think you'll find that's exactly what I just said so Sans like okay goes to the table pulls out a photo lets the jury see it he's like it's from Danny's living room wall isn't it yes who's in the photo that's Candy my mother my mom and me Stans like now does anything about it strike you as strange because she's like holding him as like an infant I don't understand what you mean Sans says, why don't you understand? Is there anything out of the ordinary about this photo? And like Danny shakes like the, the cell door again. And Jack's like, no, nothing at all. And Stan looks at, at it with like, you know, confused expression. He's like, where's Adam now, Danny? Danny steps closer to the cell door in the barn. He's like, he's listening. Stan's like, Danny, answer the question, Danny. So Jack's like, he died. And Stan's like, when? So Danny's like, now he's really trying to open the cell door. So Jack's like, when he was a boy. And Stan's like, not a baby? No, when he was just a boy. So Danny, like on a witness stand, is kind of look, like looking behind him to the side at the cell door nose, noise. Stan's like, so why isn't he in this picture? Or this one? I don't know. Or this one? Or I, I don't, or... And then just big slam. And Danny like spins around. He's like, stop it. And Stan's like, stop what? Stop questioning you? And Jack's like, no, I wasn't talking to you. I, and then Stan continues, or this one, or this one, because he's like laying them all out like on the, the witness stand in front. And he's like, why is there only one boy in all of these photos? Boom, like another big slam. He's like, what happened to Adam, Danny? Then bam, like Danny knocks the door open. So Stan's like, I'll ask again. 
what happened to Adam? And Jack's like, I fudging told you what happened to Adam. And he's like, Mr. Sullivan, the judge is like, there will be no profanity in my courtroom. And Danny's like walking in the barn now, like to the, the spotlight area. So Jack's like, I'm sorry, your honor. And then Sam's like, right, he died. How? And he's like, I, I, I. And then we see like Danny like sloshing through some water in the barn. So Sam's like, is it possible that you don't remember? It's like, Danny? Danny? And we see like Rise like, kind of like on the edge of her seat with, you know, concerned watching this. And then softly Sam's like, what happened to Adam, Danny? So Danny walks like through deeper water to, and there's like a floating body face down. And he, you can see like underwater, he takes like it, the, its hands. And then uh, Jack is like kind of like on his knees now, like in a spotlight. And then Johnny, Mike, and Ariana kind of like circle around him. And then the spotlight kind of fades. And then Adam lifts his head in the water. And then there's like some light there. And he's like, hey, Dan. And then Danny in the courtroom is like, Adam? And then Stan again, he's like, what happened to Adam, Danny? So Danny now has this like shocked expression and he like slowly turns. He looks in the courtroom because he's probably like, where am I? You know, he, I, so Danny's back and he has no idea what's going on because, you know, he's, he's been out of, out of his body or whatever. And you can see his eyes are like a little red and like watery. And he's like, he had to go away. Stan asks, like, why? Because of what he did. And Stan asks, like, what did Adam do? There's like a slight pause. He's like, he wanted it to happen. He wanted Marlon to do it because he wanted everything to be okay because he didn't want our mom to be alone. He wanted Marlon to do whatever he wanted to him. And he raped him over and over, but he wanted him to. So I had to send him away. And Stan's like, who's Adam, Danny? And Danny's like looking beyond Stan and Stan turns around, like kind of moves. And we see like Adam standing there. And Danny's like, my brother. And Stan's like, but you never had a brother, did you? And Danny's like, no. So Stan's like, who was Adam, Danny? And there's like a pause. And he's like, me. Adam is me. And everyone's looking at, cons like with concern, like the, the jury and, and even Patricia, you can see, because, you know, she's, she's doing her job. She's, you know, she's out to, to you know, get whatever conviction, but she's, some somewhere in there, she's still a human being, so she's just like like holy crap. So then stands like the defense rests your honors, and at first I'm like, okay, Patricia, are you gonna now that you know the truth, now that he's finally said it, and you've seen him kind of off a little bit? It's like she, I, I'm assuming she didn't question because then you know as we're still seeing the scene, just kind of like like a voiceover, you know, we we hear Raya's like, how did you feel in that moment? And he's like, I just remember to quiet. So then the judge, we hear the judge say, has the jury reached a verdict? We have your honor. So then uh, Danny continues. He's like, I wasn't used to it. You know, not having voices in my head, you know, to come to my rescue. So the verdict's handed to the judge. He looks at it. He nods. Then he's like, will the defendant please rise? You know, then we see like, we see Danny like talking as, you know, it's like flipping back and forth and his hair is like shorter. You know, it's like, it's, it's a little different. And Raya's like, you know, she's got bangs. So it's obviously, you know, sometime after. So he's like, but I found something that would save me. And Raya's like, really? What was that? So back to the court, Mr. Foreman, will you please read the verdict? We had a jury unanimously find the defendant, Daniel Sullivan, not guilty of all counts by reason of insanity. And then everyone's like, woo, and Stan's like, there you go, kid. 
and he looks back and he sees like Raya smiling at him. So then later, whatever, Danny's like, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. So Raya's like, you were saved by a saint, a Beatles song. Cause you know, that was his favorite song. Let it be. And Danny's like, no, in the courtroom, we see him, you know, he smiles back at Raya. And then he's like, it was you, Raya, you saved me. And then he's like, how do you feel? And she's like, like crying and screaming at the same time. So, you know, again, we see it, you know, their hairstyles are different and everything. And they're sitting like in this room with like kind of comfy chairs and something like that. So it's not like a prison. She's like, but mostly I was really tired. And Danny's like, it's weird me asking the questions, huh? You know, where's Ariana? And Raya just like laughs. He's like, thank you for going over this with me, though. When you dissociate, it's easy to lose track of other people's feelings. And she's like, is that so? And Danny's like, in fact, it is. And I really missed you. But come on, you can't have just been tired. So Raya's like, I guess anticlimactic too. There was no victory speech at the courthouse, no coming home party. I mean, we hadn't won your freedom, just something smaller, a chance. But then you were gone and you were just gone. And she's like, at first it was really hard for me to imagine you working with another therapist. You know, intellectually, I understood that you needed to make new relationships and engage in new therapies and heal. But honestly, I just didn't like it that much. At first, I missed you too. I would check in with your new doctors, but confidentiality. And I I just worried about you all the time until I heard from your mom. Then we see Candy brought into this room. There's like these really big paintings. And then Danny walks in and she, and she like turns and he's like, hi, mom. And she's like, hey, Dan. So then like voiceover, like, you know, as we see them standing in this big room, Raya's like, what made you finally let her come see you after two years? So obviously, you know, it's been more than two years since, you know, since the court. Uh, he Danny's like, because I realized no matter how much time went by that I would never be ready. So I had to face the music. It was time. And Candy like looks at a, like a, a painting of a person, like I'm assuming it's Danny standing in front of like the swirl and there's like some dots, or whatever. She's like, it's beautiful. What are they stars? And he's like fireflies. And she's like fireflies. And Danny's like, it's, it's a thing of the past. She's like, that's beautiful. And Danny's like, they let me paint every day. They say it's therapeutic. And Candy mom, she's like, you've always been good, but these are really something. And Danny's like, they're actually talking about putting a few of these in an exhibition. And she's like, like a real artist, huh? He's like, yeah. Then they're like walking outside the grounds. And she's like, I'm in Oakville now. You know, it's a little apartment. And Danny asks, and Marlon. She says, for a while, he'd show up drunk outside my building a couple times a week. Cops got involved. And then one day, he just stopped. I haven't seen or heard from him in for more than a year. You know, a lot of counseling since. I think about you every day. I want you to know that. Only I know I haven't been a good mom. We both know I haven't. And the fact that I I let you down so badly. And Danny's like, you know, they, they, she like sits down on this bench. And Danny's like, what did you know? And, you know, she pauses, pauses for a bit. And she's like, you don't remember your father, your real father. She's like, truth is, I never really wanted to tell you because there wasn't much good to tell. I was 16 when I got pregnant, 17 when we got married. And when you were four, I came to understand that he, and they kind of like lock eyes. And, you know, she, she doesn't continue. She's like, so I got as, as far away from him as possible. But being on my own, it was more than I knew how to handle. So obviously from here, 
this means that Danny's actual father was like the first predator and, and, you know, did whatever, you know, so when he was four, she's like, I got to get him out of here. So this is probably around the time when Adam was, you know, first created because we saw Adam before Marlon came onto the scene. So, you know, Adam was his like defense before that. So she's, you know, she's like, so, you know, when Marlon came, you know, he seemed so strong, so dependable, someone who could take care of us. And we needed that, you know, we needed taken care of. I needed it. And, she, you know, she starts crying. So wait, so if she was 16, so she was 20 at this, she was 20? When, when, oh, when, when she left, she was 20. Okay. And uh, she's like, you know, I needed it. And she starts like crying, like covers her face. And she's like, I think for a long time, I told myself it wasn't true. It, it couldn't be true. I couldn't have brought another man like that into our lives, but I did. And I'm sorry. What I let happen to you, even if you never forgive me, and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, because a parent is supposed to protect their child. And I failed. She's like, I failed. And I want you to know, I know that. I know. And Danny's like, I'm glad you came. And she's like, maybe I can come back. And he just kind of like looks away. And she's like, maybe you'll change your mind. She's like, I'll keep asking. But then like a voiceover is like, she won't though. And Ryan's like, and if she tried, could you ever forgive her? And Danny's like, she won't try. And Ryan's like, no, probably not. You know, we all do the best we can. And Danny's like, and sometimes the best is just not enough. And, and then Raya's like, they say pain makes your art better. And he's like, that's BS. And Raya's like, I agree. And then he's like, but how are you now? And she's like, ah, I'm the same. And we like see her wake up late, whatever. She's like, but also different. So we see her like in a kitchen. She asked her mom, she's like, why didn't you wake me? And she's like, you're a grown woman. And she's like, your first patient won't be here for five minutes. And it's only downstairs. You know, you, and you know, the, the kid obviously is older sitting at the, at the table with like a, head, a Walkman on, you know, headphones. So her mom's like, you put a new diagnosis in the DMS. You you can't be five minutes late. And Raya's like, first of all, it's a DSM. And I'm confident you know that's not how it works. And she's like, I can't be proud of my daughter. She's like, is that what it is? And she's like, please take him to school. Then she goes to her kid, she, you know, lifts his headphone. She's like, hey, buddy, got to go to school. So then to Danny, she's like, I'm not a professor anymore. I'm a shrink and a mom trying my best to be brave. It's a lot of work. The fusion therapy is working. You're clearly integrating your alters. How does it feel? And Danny's like, it's a process. I'm just trying to be brave. And she's like, you are, Dan. You've always been brave. And Danny's like, maybe so. And then a doctor knocks and he like acknowledges Ryer. You know, he's he's like, Dan, it's time for dinner. And she's like, thank you so much for letting us use your office to catch up. He's like, my pleasure. It's an honor to meet you. And then she says to Dan, she's like, walk me out. And he's like, sure. So outside, she comments about how beautiful the gardens are. And he's like, yeah, I can see them from my window. And he's like, everything changes with every season. And he's like, anyways, thank you for coming today. And thank you for everything. So she gives him a hug. And he says, what's past is prologue. And she's like, Shakespeare. She's like, I knew that. See, they're all in you. You've got Jack's intelligent, Mike's charm, Ariana's confidence. They're all you. And he's like, not all of them. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, I have an unpaid debt. It's my time to be the guardian angel. Anyways, I'm late. I'm not really sure what he meant by that. And I'm, I'm sure I'm totally missing something. But he's like, okay, so he's late. He's like, hope to see you soon, Doc. And she's like, me too, Dan. And she walks away thinking, and then she like looks back. And Danny's like up in his room already. 
so he like I don't know if he ran up there, and you know he's looking out the window. He waves, and then the Beatles "Let It Be" comes on, and we see Danny goes back to like a painting full of fireflies. And then as he's standing there, it looks like there's like actual fireflies in the room with him, and then it's over. So that's it. I mean, he he you know he knows what happened, and he's you know trying to you know get better and uh, come to terms with everything. So it's. Like I said, it's just it's just the idea. It's just heartbreaking that someone can be so vulnerable that you know their their mind just shatters and they create this block, this alt, you know, just this way to escape. It's just uh, it's just horrific. Oh, so yeah, that said, that's the show, and um, it's just heavy duty. Now this is apparently based off a book. It's totally different, but I think it's it's similar. I I I'm, I'm just like so hesitant. I don't know how it's going to be because if it's a true story, I don't I don't know if it's just. We'll have to. I think it's it's. I don't, I don't know how it is, but I I downloaded the audio book through my Audible account, and um, I'm curious to see what you know what the the actual if if it is based on a true story how it works. So we'll see, but. At the same time, it's like I don't know if I really want more or this this darkness, but yeah. So that that was a crowded room. It's just such an, a powerful show. All right, hijack. Uh, series. It's got to be the series finale, uh, episode seven. Brace, brace, brace. <laughs> and and here's the thing. I was I, I was I was watching the the recap. I usually skip over to re- recaps, but I was like, oh snap. And I don't say that often, but the the lady. So remember last last week, that lady gets up, goes in the bath, puts her hair up, gets a takes a gun out of her purse, walks up, goes past Sam and and Stewart, the number one guy, the boss man, hijacker, shoots the pilot in the head, and then walks in the cockpit, closes the door. I was like, holy crap, who is this lady? It turns out she was the one. When Sam was further back and then like stuff started going down, he like sat this night. She's like freaking out and everything. He's like, it's okay. He's like, what's your name? And she's like, Amanda. And he's like, you have a family, your loved one. It's like, you know, it's our job to get back to them or whatever. So that was her. So it's like, what the heck is going on that she has a gun and it, she just kills that guy and goes in there. Oh, so this, this episode starts off, you know, she gets in a pilot seat. She turns off the autopilot she changes the altitude 3000 feet and she starts so she clearly knows how to fly a plane she knows what she's doing but Stuart, boss man he he stands up like holding the gun at sam and sam's like who's that he's like come on tell me tell me who and he's like i don't know he's like you sure she's not with you no and he's like what what and he's like they're coming to kill you so then terry is on the floor he's got a bag over his head bearded guy is holding his gun but he gets grabbed from behind because you know there's no bullets on there uh, Anna, the co-pilot, she's like undoing his zip ties on the, the two old dudes, Tom and Jerry, who's like first tried doing something like that. The flight attendant's like, she shot him. And, and then someone's like, like, who? And it's like, some random woman, she shot him dead. And then Carol's asked, like, shot who dead? Who did she shoot? Because she's the one having, you know, relationship with, with Robin, even though he's married and everything like that. And then the other lady like turns to Anna, she's like, we're going to need you. So... Sam says, like, you can't kill them all. Give me the gun. And Stuart kind of scoffs. He's like, that gun is the only gun that's loaded. All right. He's like, that's what I think. Yes. Right. And Stuart just like nods. He's like, give it to me before they take it off you and kill you with it. So then prison guy, he takes Terry's gun and he goes forward and he's like, yeah, because, you know, they think they don't know. They think the guns are loaded. So Stuart, he finally he gives Sam's a gun. 
And then he points it back at the prison guy and, and, you know, he tells Sam to move and Sam's like, back, back, back. And he's like waving the gun, the gun around, like, you know, at everyone. And the prison guy's like, you've got no idea who you're dealing with. He's like, I'm not joking, mate. It's like time to let someone else have a go. Sam keeps waving the gun back and forth. And then prison guy aims down and like shoots. And Sam says to everyone, he's like, it's all right. I don't know who I'm dealing with. You don't. No, mate. This gun is the only gun that's loaded. This gun, okay? So now you listen to me. This hijack is over. It's over. And Stuart like closes his eyes. He's like, we have a different problem. A bigger problem. We got less than an hour to fix it. Got it? So Simon at the air traffic control says that they're going to have a 25 uh, mile exclusion zone around the plane. It's entering their airspace in seven minutes. This feels like it was such a long episode. I feel like you know that happened like so long ago as, as I think back to this. So, so they want to have like all the London airports keeping a runway free, and they're also trying to call like all the, the mobiles on the manifest list, like all the passengers' phones. On the plane, they bring Stuart forward. You know, Bella's like cornered <laughs> by the cockpit door. She's yelling, back, back, she's waving her gun, and Stuart, like, it's over. It's like they know it's not loaded. So Sam just takes her gun, tells someone to find a woman that's that's uh, head of the cabin crew tells her to find a doctor in economy because uh someone got who's it they got shot arthur got shot in the leg in the last episode as, as they're they're struggling so then he tells bella he's like he's like call her and tell her it's over and she's like what he's like tell her that the passengers have control of this plane and if she doesn't come out of here in 60 seconds and Stuart interrupts he's like it won't work i told you she's not one of us he's like no she has to be okay this can't happen twice in one flight and, and she's like, he doesn't mean it like that. He means whoever she is, we don't know. We've not been told. And Sam's like frustrated. He tells prison guy and the others, he's like, tie them up. And, you know, the rest of them. And he like tries calling the cockpit himself. So he like knocks on a, on, a, on a door inside that lady, Amanda. She just ignores it. And she's also ignoring Alice. You know, she's calling, uh, for, you know, from the air traffic control on the radio. So like ignoring everything. In the conference room. A dude says that, you know, there's always more to it than this. He's like, you don't hijack a whole plane to get two guys released. You, you kidnap a governor or a guard if, you, if that's all you want. He's like, this is what's known as a bear raid. And they're like, what? He's like, as an animal. This other dude's like, yeah, there was a major short trade made the, the moment the markets opened this morning. And the first guy's like, so they hijack a plane, then they leak it to the media, not a major outlet that we put under blackout, but some trigger-happy financial journal who goes straight to Twitter. And before you know it, the shares in Kingdom Airlines are falling faster than the plane itself. So hijackings are, you know, they don't exactly do much for airliners share, you know, their, their, their stock prices. Daniel calls Marsha, Sam's wife, and says that, you know, he's like, these guys are serious operators. He's like, look after yourself and Kai. And he asks, he's like, is he with you? And she's like, no, he's gone to his dad's place. Or or she's like, all right, I, th I think he has. He's like, then he's, Daniel's like, has there been anything weird lately? Any, any strange calls? And then she's like, yeah, she mentions delivery that they wanted her to confirm Sam's address. So he like jumps in his car and he like takes off. On a plane, there's, you know, struggling to tie down bearded guy. The late guy's, like, looking around. And I'm still, like, I was, like, there's got to be something with this guy. It's, like, the, the, the whole point, the fact that they made this big deal in the opening scene of the show when he's coming on late. Like, I got to get on or whatever. So there's got to be something with him. Sam is told that the door is locked. That's the system. And he's, like, well, what if the pilot gets locked out? 
and then they're like, well, there's 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 a first officer. So the co-pilot like grabbed Amanda's bag from the bathroom. She's like, there's no ID, but she's clearly a mom because you know she's looking at receipts. There's like pizza, yogurts, and you know family shop stuff. So Sam's like, she's a mom. She told me she wants to get back to her family. That was like, what's her name? It, it was. He's like trying to think. And the flight attendant asks, he's like, what seat was she in? This other dude. He's like, well, she was opposite me. He's like, 13A. And then Sam's like, Amanda. He's like, that's it, Amanda. So she, Sam tries calling again. She finally um, picks up. He's like, Amanda, it's Sam. He's like, look, you don't need to speak, okay? You don't have to talk. You don't have to tell us anything. All I ask is that you just, you know, just want to hear us out, okay? He's like, that's all we ask. You can keep this line open. And she just like yanks the phone from, from like the, you know, rips the cord out. And Sam starts like pounding on the door. He's like saying her name. And then, you know, she looks at, at the hurt, the phone she has. And the text says like now. So, you know, she was told to do it or something like that. Robin, the pilot, is covered with a blanket. But as Hugo's like staring at his bloody hand. Then the lady next to him tells him to look at the map. And he turns it on and he sees that they're like veering off course. They're like passing over Belgium or whatever like that. And she says that it's been doing that for the last five minutes. Alice tells the conference room that it's now a code one situation. Kingdom 2-9 has changed its heading. It was supposed to arc towards Heathrow, but now it's heading directly for central London. So eh, they're like, is that intentional? She's like, it's definitely completely intentional. This lady comes in and says that she has the RAF command and that they, they've okayed a quick reaction alert. I'm like, what the heck is RAF? So I have to Google it. Royal Air Force. The <laughs> So she's like... That's two typhoons airborne, which I guess the typhoons are the jet fighters or something like that. She's like, then you'll have five, five minutes to, to give to order or not. The two cleaner dudes at Kaiser still sitting uh, or at Sam's with, with or, or, they're watching the news. The doorbell rings and they get their guns ready. Kai's listening from like the other room, like the laundry room or whatever. The the first guy, the guy was on the computer, I think. He like opens the door. There's two officers out there. They're like, this is your property, sir? He's like, I wish. He's like, I'm just working here. And the guy, the officer's like, working as in, he's like, cleaner. The owner, he does short-term lets. And then the officer's like, only we had a 999 call from this landline registered to his apartment. So that's like not good for Kai because now they know that someone called from inside. And then uh, the cleaner is like, this apartment or this building? And they're like, this apartment. He's like, 20 minutes ago. He's like, well, I don't think so, mate. The other cleaner dude, he, he happens to find Kai, puts a gun like up to the back of his head. And the officer's like, I'm not making this up. And, you know, all this stuff like that. So finally, the cleaner's like, do you want to come in? And, you know, he's he's holding a gun behind his back. And the officer's like, nah. He's like, we'll, we'll check out some of the other flats. He's like, probably some kind of mistake, okay? So the door closed. The other dude's like, check this out. His son, he's hiding the whole time. And then he's like, you'll never guess what, mate. Daddy's on the telly. So one of the teen girls, they tells the others, like, look out the window. And they see that the fighter jets are out there. Neil tells Louise, so Louise, the home secretary, the other secretary, whatever, um, that there are over 200 passengers on a plane. If it strikes central London, it would kill twice that again. And she's like, you can't say that. And he's like, the choice is simple. And she's like, there is no choice. He says, either we let it go or we stop it. We shoot it down while it's over the water, but not over the capital. And she says, the prime minister decides. He's like, no, she acts on advice. She will make the statement. But let's be clear. The decision is ours. So then the flight attendant asks, like, you know, where are their phones? Everyone needs their phones back. And Sam's like, she's right. And Stuart's like, no, she's not. She's wrong. And and then she, like, lunges at Stuart. She's like, why? You know, and Sam's like, why no phones? And Stuart's like, because they'll tell the ground what's happening. They'll know that we don't know who's flying the plane. When they hear that, they'll shoot us down, right? And co-pilot, you know, Anna, she finds the bags of phones. And, you know, there's, like, a, one of the phones ringing in the, in the back. 
Alice says that due to the deviation over Hungary, Kingdom 2-9's fuel levels are dangerously low. And the, the sky near her like was calling a teen girl, like Casey or something like that, hands the phone over to, to Alice. And she's like, this is Alice Sinclair. Who am I speaking to, please? He's like, it's Sam, Sam Nelson. And she's like, Sam, I'm air traffic controller assigned to your flight. I'm aware of your situation, and I want to help you. He's like, okay. And she's like, I need to speak to the captain. He's like, the captain is unavailable. There was an incident. He, he got injured. Then she's like, then I need to talk to whoever is flying the plane. The other pilot, the, the first officer. Is she flying the plane? And he's like, yes. And Alice is like, okay, Sam, listen to me. If me and you are going to get along, I need the truth. He's like, all right. So she's like, one more time. Is the first officer flying the plane? He looks like the jet outside the window. Sam? He's like, no. No? No, because you have eyes on a plane. You're going to see for yourselves. And Simon like tries like taking the phone for Alice and she just like turns away. He's like, the woman at the controls is not the first officer. She's like, good. So who is she? Her name is Amanda. She's a passenger, a mum. That's all we know about her. What? But why is she flying the plane? And she's like, Sam, listen to me. No one wants those jets to do anything but leave you well alone. But in order for that to happen, you're going to have to talk to me. You're not the only one. You know, you're not the only lives in danger here. Sam? He's like, yeah. Um, well, she killed a pilot, locked herself in a cockpit, and we can't get in. And then the doctor and Arthur, they like hear this, whatever. We cannot stop this plane. And he like, he puts the phone down. I don't know if he ended the call or just put it down. Fighter pilots radios uh, Kingdom 9. He's been authorized by His Majesty's government to take lethal action if they do not respond. And so Amanda's like sent four texts with no replies, like question mark, question mark, question mark. And then hello. And then question mark, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then please, Kingdom 2-9, please acknowledge. So Neil says, he's like, we shoot it down. And Louise is like, we can't. He says, the best outcome for them is the worst outcome for the plane. We cannot stand by and watch it crash into the capital. She's like, I cannot be part of that decision. Then he's like, no, well then let it be mine. I'm home secretary. It's over London. It comes from me. I've had my turn. I've let two of the nation's most wanted men go free. So I am damaged goods as it is. I mean, I mean it. If I'm wrong, I'll take the hit. So the passengers are, are like looking at the planes and the fighter pilots like control. This is Trojan moving into position. So they go behind the plane awaiting your command. Neil is told that the prime minister is holding. He like kind of like freezes and he doesn't say anything. So Louise takes the phone. She's like, prime minister. No, we stay clear. We evacuate key sites, but we do not cannot act against our own people. If that if it's wrong or weak, then it's on me. But that is the advice you are being given. Then she like shakes her head at, at this lady, and then she tells her that air traffic control is is it's a negative. So Simon tells someone, he's like, you know, get your jets back off. So Sam, I guess he didn't end the call because then you know Alice is like, Sam, are you there, Sam? She's saying the jets will not engage. He's like, Sam, can you hear me, please? And he's like, Yes, I can hear you. She's like, Good, Sam, are you near the cockpit? And he's like, Why? Because we still got to land this plane. Then Edgar and uh, the other dude, what's the name? John. <laughs> they're they're outside this building, this little building, and you know Edgar's like looking at his phone. He's like, every penny that the shares drop, we make another eighteen million. And so the other guy's like, like, geez, like how much do you need? And Edgar's like, it's still dropping. And then John, where he's like, look, she needs an answer, and we need to make some money. We're not here just to pay people off. He's like, don't go soft on me now. So that's why they're not responding to Amanda. 
The cleaners and Kai are watching the news. Reports of a drop in share prices. Kai notices that his phone is ringing, and on the screen it says Detective Daniel. Cleaner two notice, you know, sees it. I don't know if it's like vibrating or whatever. He mutes the TV. Cleaner one gets up, looks at the phone. He reads the display and he points a gun at, at Kai. He's like, Detective Daniel. Daniel's driving his car trying to call Kai. He's He's got his voicemail. He's like, Kai, are you okay? He's like, listen, if you can hear me, there's some serious stuff going on. I'm on my way over there. And it, but turns out that, it, no, it wasn't voicemail. He was actually, he's on speakerphone now. And he's like, I'm on my way over there. And then Kai's like, no, please. He's like, I'm okay. I'm coming home. Anyway, he's like, I'm going to get on my bike. And then he's like, the one I was on this morning. He's like, you, because he was on a stationary bike when, when, uh, Daniel was there, you know, in the morning was you know, sleeping over. And then he's like, the bike that I was on this morning and I'm going to ride as fast as I can. And I'm coming back home. So Daniel's like, okay, mate. He's like, you ride sensibly. Make sure no one pulls you over. Okay. Cause I was like the kind of joke they were talking about. And then he ends a call and he turns on a siren. He's like, fudge me. So phones are being passed out. So Carol on intercom, you know, she's like telling people to figure out who it belongs to, give it to the person. One guy turns on his phone and it's, I, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was like the first gal who got killed because he's like right by the spot. There's like blood on the carpet. Amanda is like staring at the phone that she has. Um, there's still no reply from from Edgar. So I, I'm pretty sure, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't her actual phone. They probably handed her a phone just like uh, Edgar gave Daniel a phone. So Sam's like, if we can't be shot down, then we're handing the passengers back their phones. And Al says that the priority is a cockpit. So then another tells her that the plane is too far north for Heathrow. There's no obvious you know, airport in sight. The, the late guy comes up to Sam and he's like stopped by another. They're like, hey, where are you going? And he's like, she'll never talk to you. She'll never say anything. She's been told. They have, they'll have her family. They'll be holding them hostage so she does exactly as they say. And then Sam's like, how do you know that? He's like, because they've got my family too. They wanted to, so see... There was something up with this guy. He's, he's like, they wanted uh, the guns brought on board. It's like, I had to do it or they'd shoot my partner. He's like, they've got my partner right now. Then he's like, why you? Why are you with them? And he pulls them forward, pushes them against the wall, like frisk them. He's like, are you with her? He's like, no. Then why you? And Stuart's like, because he's clean. He's like, if he gets caught, we just move on to the next guy. And Sam's like, why you? It's like, who picked you? Who the fudge are you? And he's like, I'm a traitor. He's like, I'm the one that who did the deal. He's like, what deal? What are you talking about? Stuart like shakes his head. He's like, what deal? So John tells Edgar that they, she needs an answer and they need to leave. He's like, so we close it. And he's like, not yet. He's like, no, now. He's like, they'll be here soon. This place is going to be fudging crawling. And Edgar's like, wait. And, and he's just like, just give me the phone. And he's he like, you know, swats his hand away. He's like, you fudging fudge off. He's like, we lie low until the plane crashes. End the conversation. And there was this other guy that was like outside the building, like they're at this table where they're parked at. He's like, he heard it. I'm like, wait, this guy's going to hear it all this stuff? But it turns out that he was with them, I guess. So John goes up to him. He's like, change of plan. He's like, we do this early. So then John just gets in, in, in the car behind the wheel. The other guy goes up behind Edgar and shoots him in the back of the head. So then he's just, they just leave him lying on the ground. He apparently has the phone. So I guess John doesn't care. And he's all like, she needs an answer. She needs an answer. But then he doesn't care because there you see like a bloody phone and there's another text. Why don't you answer? So she has no idea what's going on. She has no idea that Edgar is dead now. So the late guy's like, they make their money and it's over. It's just about money. And Sam's like, and then they kill us? And he's like, no. What? They, they crash a plane just to get rich? What? 
And like guy's like, that's the thing. It should be over by now. As soon as we're over London, it's meant to be finished. He's like, that's what I don't understand. Amanda looks at the phone again, still nothing. People are trying to call their loved ones on their phones. This lady looks at the annoying Karen. Just She's just like sitting there. And then she offers her a phone. She's like, go on. And the Karen's like, she's like, I don't have anyone, okay? I don't have anybody to call. Which is like, it's so sad. And it, it's so, it, 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 it's not surprising. It's so sad. I'm sorry. And, and I meant I'm sorry for her. That, that's so unfortunate. The doc returns his family. He's like trying to be chipper. Yusuf's wife's like, I don't know if you're just leaving a mess or you're talking to kids. And, you know, we're so proud of you. You know what you've done with your life. Hugo looks at his phone. There's, uh, he looks at, 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 at first I thought it was his phone, but there's like, it looks like there's like two girls on there, but it turns out it's actually Amanda's phone. It's so it's like her and her daughter on the screen. So he goes up, takes it to Sam. The picture on the bottom, there's like a birthday cake or some, a sign. It says like, happy birthday, Elodie, E-L-O-D-I-E. Never heard that name before. I'm sorry. Happy birthday, Lodi. So it's it's he's like it's her daughter, of course. Alice tries like um, telling Sam that the, the cockpit. You know, she's like, we need the cockpit, and he's like, I'll call you back. <laughs> and then, and she's like, what? Because he just like hung up on her. So he holds up Amanda's phone to the camera. He's like, Amanda, we know about Elodie. We've got your phone. So Daniel pulls up kind of close to Sam's. He shows his badge to this dude who must be like a concierge or you know something, business apartment manager. He's like wearing a suit. He's like, has anyone got into flat 30? He's like, Sam Nelson's flat. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, a kid. And he's like, you know, about this height, what is, you know, Sam's boy, whatever. And then uh, the guy, his name is Kenny. He's like, yeah, and, and some cleaner. He's like, two of them. So Daniel, you know, walks over by his car, gets on his phone. He talks to Zara. And then she's like, you know, she's like, Sam, you know, your girlfriend's ex is what started all this. And he just hung up on ATC. Daniel's like, he's not involved. And she's like, the trust needs to work both ways. He's like, he's not involved. And, she, and she's like, based on, he's like, based on the fact that the OCD, the, the old, what was it? The old something gang, um, they've got Sam's boy up, he, up here. He's like, I need backup at Sam's flat now. So then he calls Marsha. He's he tells her just um, that he's there. He's like, stay away, okay? He's like, I'll call you back. He's like, oh, it's okay. You know, stay away from from Sam's place, but uh, I'll call you back later. I'm not going to give you any more information. So Sam's trying to talk to Amanda. The nephew guy and this other comes up. He's like, we're kicking it down. And you know, this other older guy's like, yeah, too right. <laughs> we smash it down, all of us, even him. He's like pointing to Stuart. And it's like they're gonna undo Stuart's like zip tie or whatever. It's like no, just leave him there. And Sam's like, you know, as they're like discussing all this, Sam writes on a piece of paper and holds it to the camera. What would LD want? This lady in the conference room tells Zara that the passengers um, flying the plane is confirmed as an Amanda Taunton. She's avi an aviation consultant. She used to be in the Navy. So she's obviously, she, you know, definitely knows how to fly a plane. So they're told the plane's altitude is dropping. It's such, set to reach an unmaintainable height over West London. Paddington and Kilbourne where and Zara's like unmaintainable height she's like what does that mean does that mean crashing if it means just, just say crashing <laughs> and Alice is, is like she's like crashing and then they're like when though and she's like four minutes but if it's intentional it could be any second and we see the planes like flying over the city and it's like pretty low so the guys are outside the cockpit they're still talking like you know trying to break down the door or whatever Sam holds up another note to the, the camera he's like we all have family and then this guy's like yelling at the flight attendant. He's like, move, whatever. Then his phone starts ringing. And they're like, is it her? Sam takes the phone. He's like, hello? And she's like, Sam, 
I killed a man. He's like, listen, it wasn't your fault, but I shot him. And you know, she, she, cause she, before she looked at the iPad photo that Robin had like next to his, his seat. She's like, he was a dad. He was a man with a family. He's like, Amanda, they've got your family. All right. They've got your family. Isn't that right? Yeah. You do exactly what they say or they'll kill Elodie. I'm right. Aren't I? And she's like, yeah. He's like this, what I'm doing right now, this is what I do for a living, all right? I do this in business. I close deal. I get people to do exactly what I want them to. I find ways to make them change their minds, all right? But I can't do that here. You, you, you know why? Because if my kid was in danger, I would not open this door. If my family was in danger, I wouldn't open this door either. He's like, okay, but these people out here, they need to know something. They need to know what's happening so they can speak to their families, hear their voices, say goodbye. Amanda? We know about the deal. So they get the deal. Then what? They, they get their money. And then what happens? And she's like, they send a message. And, and they say that they've done it. That the deal is done. And then once I get the message, that's when I land. So we do land. She's like, yes, only if I get the message. And if you don't get the message? He's like, nothing. He's like, if the message doesn't come through, what happens next, Amanda? Then I crash it. I fly into the middle of London. Otherwise, they kill Elodie and they, they kill Tom. And I'm sorry, I won't let that happen. At Sam's, Kai's like watching the news. And the cleaners are actually like cleaning counters. It's like, okay. Outside the cockpit, the guys are getting restless again. And he's like, Amanda, that noise? There are people out here and they're trying to get in. But we could stop that, you and me, right now, okay? He's like, I'm sitting right opposite one of the main hijackers. And he's told me something. It's something I need to tell you. I don't want to, but I feel like I have to, okay? And Stuart's like, look at him. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's something about Elodie. He's like, Amanda, he's told me that whatever happens, they're going to kill her anyway, okay? That's who these people are. And that's what they're going to do. He's like, listen to me, okay? They will make sure she is not a witness. So whatever you do, whether you crash this plane or not, that is going to happen, okay? So I can get these people out of here. You can land this plane so we can do this, okay? And you, you will save everyone else. Then uh, Cleaner 1 presses gun against Kai. So he's like, face front. And then uh, then an alarm goes off and they're like looking around like, what's going on? In the conference room, they can they can actually see like the plane like coming like in the distance. On the plane, the computer's like terrain ahead, pull up, terrain ahead, pull up. And Sam continues like trying to talk to her, and she's and she's like, okay, Sam, but just you, okay, only you, because otherwise they're gonna kill me. So he he like stands up, he's like back up, and then he like yells and points the gun, back up, back up, now. And and it's like it's me or no one, okay? That's what she's saying. And they're like just like standing there looking. Then. The, the 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 door unlocks and he's like don't don't you fudging dare he's like wait and then they like you know he's in the doorway they start moving forward and then he like tries closing the door and like pushing on it he manages to shut the door and lock it at sam's it turns out it's a fire alarm other tenants are like exiting their flats cleaner two has kai like sitting behind the counter you know in the kitchen with holding a gun to him and then uh, Daniel's at the door. Cleaner one opens, and, he, and Daniel's like, "Quick as you can, mate! It's real. Keep moving." And he's like, says to like other people, he's like, "Fire escapes at the end." Then he turns to Cleaner one. He's like, "All of you." And he's like, "I'm the only one here, mate." And Daniel's like, "Well, Kenny's just told me that there's a crew of cleaners in here." He's like, "Come on, mate! There's an evacuation going on. All high-rise buildings in West London. Some kind of incident involving a plane or something. That's all I know." Then Cleaner one like looks inside. He's like. We need to go down. 
and then Daniel like turns his back, starts to walk. You see like some like SWAT like armed officers are like out creeping up on either side of doors. So cleaner two, he's like holding Kai like by the arm, and they're, they're coming out. Then they all yell, "Armed police! Armed police! Get down!" Daniel grabs Kai away as uh, the startled cleaners are shoved down to the, to the to the ground. And Daniel's like, "Are you all right?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." And he's like, "Good lad." And he gives him a hug, and Kai just like gets in his arms. Alice is like stressed. She's like waiting. Then her phone buzzes. She's like, Sam? He's like, I'm in the cockpit. So Alice tells the room, he's like, we have access. He's like, we want to land this plane. So um, the, then they're, they each put each other on speakerphone. She's like, you're on speakerphone, but mine is the only voice that you'll hear. He's like, you are my plane on my flight sheet, and I'm going to land you. And she's like, Sam, I need your fuel level. He's so he's she, uh, Amanda tells him, he's like, uh, it's, it's in the red. And she's like, how far in the red? And the man is like, Fl- flaming out. It's flaming out. He's like, oh, dude, whatever, flaming out. Then she's like, you're flaming out? You burn through the fuel? And she's like, yeah. And so she's like, Sam, I need your exact heading, your exact altitude. And and the man is like, we've got no fuel. And to Amanda, he's like, do you hear that? Do you understand? It's like, I don't understand, you know, what, what Alice is asking him. So, you know, she's just hysterical. And t- t- Sam, you know, takes off speakerphone. He's like, listen to me. He's talking to Alice. He's like, Amanda, she shot and killed a pilot. Not because she wanted to, but because they're holding her family. All right? It's like they're holding her daughter, and she needs some assurances that she's not going to go to jail as soon as we land. And Alice is like, Sam, I can't do that. We don't have time to. He's like, no, excuse me. Listen to me. I need you to tell me that there's someone there that is listening that can offer some assurances to the pilot right now, please. And Simon like points to the, the video call at a, at a conference room. And, and Neil's like, Sam... If what you're saying is true, then Amanda will face no charges. And he's like, who is that? Sorry, who is it? And he's like, I'm Neil Walsh, home secretary. And, you know, he put it on on speakerphone, like right when he's like home secretary. He's like, I repeat, no charges. You have my word for that. That is a resigning matter. And then to Amanda, he's like, yeah, you hear that? So now you can bring this, you know, bring this home. And she like nods. So then she's like. She's like, okay, London, we're on a heading of 315 degrees at an altitude of 1,500 feet. We are too low. Then, fasten seatbelt sign goes on. And then, then the lights cut out. And Sam's like, what's going on? And Amanda's like, we've lost power. So Alice's like, turn on the APU and ram air turbine. You're going to need to glide, Amanda. And she's like, that's all you can do. So then some like backup lights kind of like turn on, whatever. Then this, this other lady tells Alice, uh, RAF North Holt is available, 6.9 nautical miles. So um, they can they can have uh, fire, like police and, you know, ambulances, you know, ready. And Alice's like, she's like, what about, uh, she's like, what about a motorway? She's like, I see a motorway. And Alice's like, stop talking about the motorway, Amanda. She's like, please. And she gives her bearing degrees, whatever, blah, blah, you know, just like that. She's like, do you copy? Flight attendants yelling for people to get in their seats. Everyone's like, bah, bah, like freaking out or getting up. And this lady tells, because she's sitting next to this priest, she's like, that's what you're here for. So he then he he finally gets up. He's like, quiet, quiet. He, you know, yells it. He's like, we've held it together for seven hours. Let's stick together now. And everyone's just like, like sits, you know, looking at him. They're quiet. And he gets back down. Alice uh, says, North Holt is ready. She's like, that's a 5,000 foot runway. And Amanda's like, that's not enough. And Alice's like, it's all we have. And she's like, we haven't got reverse thrust. She's like, you're going to need to turn. And then Alice says that. And Amanda's like, did you hear what I said? And Alice's like, drop the landing gear as soon as you can or you won't make the runway. And she's like, okay, I've got a visual. And Alice's like, you got one shot at this, Amanda. And she tells Sam, 
Amanda says, I need you to, to, to hold on. I'm going to bank left, okay? It's like a hard hard turn. Alice is like waiting, like holding her phone. The plane levels. And Amanda's like, okay, we're on finals. The, the flight attendant yells, she's like, brace for impact. Sam's like, terrain ahead, yeah? He's like, if this doesn't work. He's like, tell Marsha she was right. I shouldn't have gotten on the plane. Amanda talks to Sam. She's like, I'm going to need your help. She's like, you know, lower the landing gear, you know, pull the lever up and turn it clockwise. Now, she's like, when we hit the ground, I need you to press your feet on the pedal as hard as you can. So then there's a shot of the plane coming down. It's like flying like over houses and like this, you know, freeway or something like that. Flight attendant yells. She's like, head down, feet back, brace, head down, feet back, brace. It's like saying over and over again, the runway's coming up. They come down, they hit the runway with a thud. And she's, Amanda's like, Sam, now. The plane like bounces a little bit. And then the front end kind of crashes down. Wheels are like catching fire. You see like the left engine on the wing, it like gets ripped off, goes flying up. The right side whoosh, blows up. And then Alice like sees on, on the screen, connection lost. And she's like, Sam? The conference room is watching, you know, their, their screen. You know, they have the same screens, you know, connection lost. Alice is just like staring at her phone. She's like waiting everyone's waiting then you just see like the charred runway fire trucks are racing to the smoking plane and then sam you see reach down picks up the phone he's like we're down we made it we're on the ground and then amanda he's like we did it the episode's not over yet <laughs> the air traffic control they're clapping conference room they're clapping and simon's like well done everyone but we still have a lot of work to do so alice just like sits and she's like takes it all in passengers are looking around you know, someone looks at their phone and it's like, welcome back to UK, you know, because they're like on a regular network now. And then, ding, and the fasten seatbelt sign turns off. Flight attendant opens the door. This uh, one of those like trucks with the stairs on, on the back, like in Arrested Development, comes up, you know, pulled up to the door. The, there's pol armed police outside. Armed police, hands where I can see them. And rifles are trained at the door. And then a the flight attendant yells, everybody off the plane, remain calm, leave your belongings behind. It's like, why is that? Because like if I was, I always think about this. It's like I don't want to leave my laptop behind. I don't want to leave whatever I may have in my 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 backpack. You know, sometimes I put my retainer. It's like yes, I I'm a grown adult. I still wear a retainer. I don't want to leave my retainer behind. And it's like you know, I have other stuff in there. It's it's under my seat. I can see if they don't want people reaching over because it's gonna slow things down forever. That's why it takes like so long to get off the plane. So Sam's like, Amanda, he's like, I got your phone. And he tells the flight attendant, he's like, you take her to police. She's not getting arrested. She's got to go and see about her daughter. And Amanda, she, thank you, Sam. She like hugs him. The, and the, the annoying mom, she's, she's has a carry on bag and her doctor husband is like, they said not to bring anything. She's like, not for family. That's for other people. It's like, Give me a break. You are so entitled. It's all about you, lady late guy he's getting like frisked he's like i'm not one of them and then some guys like are bringing out guarded guy like he's one of them or like forcing him down amanda i think somehow she's talks to her daughter she's like yes i'm coming home it's like wait how what i don't know what happened there but whatever sam like looks around and but the thing is like what happened to Stuart? because they do you see where he was sitting it's like zip ties still there the girl that found the bullet, she hands Sam her phone. She's like, oh, I got your phone. He's like, oh, thanks. Then he's like, you all right? And she's like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Then she's like, what about you? And he's like, well, I'm better than I was five minutes ago. And he like steps in the doorway, just like takes in the sun. You know, because they're, they're there. They're landed. 
Kai and Marsha are in the back of Daniel's car. He tells them, he's like, it's down. It's like, they're getting people off the plane. And Kai's like, thank you. He's like, I mean it. Coworker tells Alice, you know, she's like, while all that was happening, the school rang. Bobby's not well. And Simon's like, I thought Bobby was off school. Because that was an excuse that she used for, for being late. And um, then her coworkers like tells Alice, she's like, just go. It's like, I'll cover. And she's like, yeah. So she unplugs her, her head, headphones, whatever. She gets up. And Simon just like gives her a look, whatever. Then she, Alice is like, okay, Simon. She's like, I'll be 15 minutes, 20 minutes tops. She's going to be more than that. Zara calls uh, and says that, you know, there's five names, five hijackers. You know, she's sending information over to like the police by the outside the airplane. And an officer tells us that, um, that there was one killed. You know, passenger is saying there was one killed on board. She's like, yeah, that's correct. So four arrests, one female, three male. And so he's like, yeah. And cause a uh, late guy, he's with the others, you know, he, he's like on his knees with them. So they're thinking that he's a third guy, but where the heck is Stuart? The, uh, Zara's like the leader is in his mid forties and has a beard, but so does late guy. So he's like, that's an affirmative, you know, confirmed. It's like, no, it's not. Sam says, you know, he's on the stairs. He's like, Oh, one second. You know, he, he has to go back in, inside. He goes to where he was sitting. He looks in an overhead bag where like the gift bag because he got like a didn't he get like I forget what it was like a bracelet. He got something for Marsha, but then he hears like a thud and like the door shuts and the officer yells, "Doors are shut. Suspect back on plane. Does anyone have visual on him?" So at that point, I'm like, "Oh my goodness, do they think Sam's involved? Are, is he? <laughs> is it going to be like Night of the Living Dead? You know, are they going to shoot him and, and that's going to be like a horrible ending?" <laughs> And then Sam like looks down again, you know, he sees like Stuart's zip tie. Then he realizes, you know, he looks in a cockpit, the, the gun's not there because he has set it down like on a dash. And then we see Stuart has two guns now. So he must put bullets in, in the other one. Sam kind of like, like, you know, ducks behind like the, you know, one of the, the, the stewardess centers, you know, whatever, flight attendant. Keep on to say stewardess. And Stuart's like, Sam, it's over, mate. He's like, we're done. And he's like moving, you know, walking down, looking for Sam, holding up out both guns. Officers start moving up the ladder. And then Stuart's like, I've got to get Lewis to the hospital. Remember? He's like, come on, you can come with me. Sam's, you know, he's like hiding. He like texts Marshall. He's like, I'm sorry. Stuart's like, you come out now or I'll fudging drag you out. He's like, do you hear me? And Sam like, kind of like ducks down. So it's like, you know, running. Stuart uh, shoots a couple times, but he like misses him. Horrible shot. Officers must hear the shot. There's like laser sight, sights, you know, shining in through the windows or like on Stuart. He starts closing the blinds. He's like, it's over. Sam crouches down and like moves like on the other the other aisle. And he's like, come on, Sam. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. And he kicks open. There's like another bathroom. You know, he's thinking that he's hiding in there. So Daniel asks Marsha, you know, in the car while he's driving. He's like, are you okay? And she gets another text. Call me. Stuart uh, starts moving quickly. He's like rushing you know, towards the back of the plane. He, he he gets there and he looks down. And he sees the, the blood on the floor from his brother, from Lewis. And he sees like the, the pen sitting there. Then he hears a phone buzzing. Opens the bathroom door with both guns out in front of him. And then he like looks down. Sam's phone's on, on a toilet ringing. And then Sam kind of closes the door, kind of like on his midsection or whatever. And I don't know if there's a gunshot or if it was like the door, because officers get the door open. They start throwing tear gas inside. They start scrambling inside. Go, go, go. Get down, get down. You know, you know they're with holding their rifles out. Then we see like laser targets on, on Stuart. And then he's just like standing there. Sam is like on his knees with his hands up. And then Stuart gets on his knees. And then he's like right in front of Sam. And Sam's like, say cheese. 
And then Sam gets up, grabs his phone from the bathroom, starts walking out with like kind of his hands up, and then he puts his hands down. It's like, okay, he's like, is he gonna get shot? And he just takes a deep breath, and it's over. That's it. So we don't see him reunited with his wife, and it, I guess it's clear, you know, that the marriage is over. You know, Marsha is with Daniel. Daniel's he's a good guy. You know, he he didn't seem like that great of a guy in the beginning, but. Obviously, you know, he went all out. He did everything he could to make sure Kai was okay. You know, he cares about him. And and just the fact that he did so much to help all these people, you know, on on the plane. You know, he really took charge. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him. And, and yes, he's doing a lot of this for Marsha. But still, he you know, he, he did a lot of good. So that that is it. That that was Hijack. And um that that last episode i mean each episode was 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 so intense but this one this was they they did a really really good job on this so so bravo to that all right then uh so my adventures with superman season one episode five you will believe a man can lie so we see lois is lying in bed there's like a bulletin board next to her while has a picture of superman there's like glasses drawn on her she's like ugh, because you know she's she's certain that superman is clark kent how how is he going to get out of this? It's, it's like 6 a.m. Alarm goes off. Jimmy jumps up. Today's a day. And you see in the calendar, it's like camping Bigfoot trip. He like talks to Clark. And he's, he's like, I know I'm not supposed to wake you up and update you about each day, how close you are. But today's, you know, the expedition. It's squash, squatching time. He looks down at the lower bunk. Clark isn't, isn't in his bed. And he's like, oh, I, I guess he went jogging without me. It's like, does Jimmy, do they normally go jogging together? And then his phone beeps. He gets a, a, a alert, a Flamebird response video. He's like, what? And then there's this man voice. You may have seen the video stream Flamebird making claims like this. And you see headlines. You know, there's like a, whatever, you know, text headline. Sub Diego or like Sub no. And then uh, Jimmy's, uh, you know, whatever voice. And then you hear, and to sum it up, the remains of Sub Diego in the Pacific seafloor proves that Atlantis is real. And you see like, you know, Jimmy in the shadow. And then the, the man's voice on a video, he's like, but I'm here to tell you, nah. He's like, like and subscribe to watch me do this to every Flamebird video ever. But so here's the thing. You know, Jimmy only has like six followers or whatever. This this nah guy, his videos, like one has 176,000 views, 313,000, 213,000. And he's like, nah, nah. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, that's a nah. And Jimmy's like, what? Jimmy runs to work, tries calling Clark. He's like, where are you? And he's like, I, I waited so we can walk together. Clark's like flying as, you know, Superman. He's on his phone. He's like, oh, I had some errands to run. He's like, Jimmy, uh, I'm, I'm going for it today. He's like, going for our squatching trip? He's like, no, I I, I mean, yeah, yeah, that too. But I, I'm going to tell Lois that I like her. And Jimmy's like, yeah, buddy, I think she's picked up on that. Clark Superman's like, but I haven't said the words. I like you. It's just been implied. But, you know, she's been staring at me nonstop for the past day. And that's because she's no city Superman. And Jimmy's like, speaking of things that are today, it's like our trip to, you know, find Bigfoot is today. He's like, so just meet me at the bus stop at 5 p.m. But it's like, don't they work together? Then Superman sees, he's like, oh, that that train's about to something. You know, he's like, he he cuts the call because he's got to go. He's like, see you then. And Jimmy's phone rings again. And he's like, Lois, it's squatching day. And she's like, yeah, sure. She's like, I'm all packed. And she's like, random question. If I give you a list of dates and times, would you be able to corroborate Clark's whereabouts? For instance, on August 3rd, he said that he was going to get a bagel, but he was gone for 20 minutes and then he came back without a bagel. 
Also, have you noticed how often he steps out for bagels? And Jimmy's like, is this uh, Hungry Lois calling? He's like, do you need a bagel? And she's like, no, no. I just, there, there you know, there's, there's this thing. And I, I think it might be true, but it's, it's crazy. But I'm 99% sure I'm right. But before I do anything, I need to be 100% sure. And Jimmy's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm at the office. And then Lois is like, oh, good. I'm running a little late. Can you cover for me? Thanks. And he's like, wait, remember to meet me at the bus stop at 5 p.m. Call is disconnected. Then Jimmy like bumps into Steve Lombard. Scooped. He tells Jimmy, he's like, grab your camera. Because he asked Perry for a photographer for a special assignment. And you're it. Jimmy like looks over at Perry's office and you see the blinds get shut. Get ready for the best day ever. Then his van with some like young, you know, kids, thugs. They're getting ready to rob a, a pawn shop. And then what I thought was a dude, I guess is not a dude, but you know, someone with like red hair, short hair, bandage over the nose, uh, wearing like some sort of like tech or something like that, some armor, says, crush the alarms, grab the, the gold, and I'll hit the safe. So they all have like different tiny pieces of like armored tech or whatever. They go in. So the main person, main gal, which is I thought was again, I thought was a guy, super short hair, trying to turn the armor on, but it's like it, it won't turn on, whatever. And then one of the others gets tossed out through the window. Another runs out, like he's here. Someone gets like tossed in front of the van, and then uh, this another like uh, female thug, she like looks up through the smoke and sees someone with like glowing red eyes coming. But there's like stuff sticking out his back, like look like swords. And she's like, "What? Wait, you're!" And then she screams, "Rory, help me!" So I'm like, "Rory, you know, there's only one Rory that I know, which is Heat Wave." But so I'm like, "Okay, this must be Heat Wave, right?" But then it's 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 a girl. With more on that later. Lois has a notebook with a picture of Superman and glasses drawn at, at, at the top. Um, there's there's a list. How to make Clark tell me that he's Superman. It's like a numbered list. And she's like, all right, Clark, how do I get you to tell me you're Superman? She goes uh, into her office, like uh, the the the, paper, the morgue paper, whatever. She's a box on a table. She's like, Ugh. she's like, come on, this isn't a mail room. And uh, on the box, it's like, to Steve is written. She tries like lifting it and pushing it, but it won't move. She's like, Ugh. she's like, what is this, dumbbells? She opens the top <laughs> and it is in fact like a big, big dumbbell. Clark comes in and he's like, Lois, great, you're, you're, you're here. He sees the box. He's like, huh, do you need a hand with that? And he easily lifts it off the table. He's like, there's something I need to talk to you about. And she's like, uh-huh, I know. I mean, anything, you can tell me anything. He's like, I, I want to talk to you about uh, writing a story with me. And she's like, about Superman? And Clark's like, uh, about the strange tech weapons that keep popping up in Metropolis. He's like, I've got an idea for how to um, go about it too. Um, uh, he's like, here, it's easier if I show you. And he like leaves. He just like tosses a, the box, a dumbbell, like on some file cabinets by the door. He like smashes the top of the file cabinets. And he comes back. He's like, he's like pulling. She's like, is that a murder board? <laughs> I've never heard it called a murder board before, but that's what they call it, I guess. He's like, I call it an investigation board. So there's one part that's like harness, electricity. He's like, live wires, harness, inner gang's weapons, Ivo's parasite suit. Live wires stole this tech and unleashed it onto our city, but someone made these weapons. I need to find out who that is before more people get hurt. And and there's something weirdly familiar about the tech. And she's like, familiar how? He's like, I, I don't know. I just know that this is important. And then I, I've, I've got this. And he's like, you know, he pulls out, he's carrying this big 
like radio thing. He's like, it's one of the planet's old dispatch scanners. Every time the tech weapons have shown up, they've nearly destroyed part of the city. And she's like, hmm. He's like, so if we listen to scanner, Lois like, we'll hear any reports of the weapon and we can investigate. And Superman or Clark's is like, and find out where they are. They, they are all really came from. She's like, this is a story I've wanted to pursue, and I'd love your help. And Lois is like, hey, I have an idea. Let's ask Superman about them. And Clark's like, I don't think he knows anything about them. And Lois is like, but we won't know until we talk to him, me, you, and Superman in a room together at the same time. And Clark's like, we? Are you saying yes to writing this with me? This is going to be great. You're the best journalist I know. I value your input, and it, and it, this really matters to me. People have been hurt by these weapons. You've almost been hurt by them, and I won't let that happen again because I, 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 I care about you. And she kind of gets like surprised and embarrassed. He's like, Lois, uh, and I, uh, <clears throat> Claire's asked, I wanted to ask, then the dispatch radio goes off. All units report of a runaway bus on Main Street. Then Clark's like, oh, it's like, I, I forgot all about my bagel in, in the kitchen. I'll, I'll be right back. Her phone buzzes. Uh, it's a news kids, uh, new, news underscore kids underscore um, yeah, because it's, what, what was it? Young, whatever. Um, it, they posted soups at it again. So it's it's uh, Flip's account. And she has like 300 plus subscribers, more, more than Flamebird. The radio, uh, the dispatch thing's like, all units disregard, Superman stopped the bus. Then Clark walks back in like, right, right at that second. He's like, uh, where were we? And then the dispatch radio is like, all units, there's a mugging on 47s. And Clark's like, cream cheese. And he like takes off. He leaves again. Disregard previous requests. Superman has it under control. Lewis, Lois says to herself, it's like, okay, new plan. She puts on her coat. She grabs a big dispatcher thing. It's like, is it a run on batteries? Steve and Jimmy are walking. Steve is going on spouting wisdom. Uh, you know, sometimes it's about walking around the city. And he tells, he's like, you should be taking notes. And then uh, Jimmy's like texting like Lois and, and Clark. He's like, guys, I, I need a help. He's like, I'm with Steve, Steve Lombard. Steve's uh, like, he's like, you know, you remind me of me at your age. Plus, you're clearly the Steve of your group. And he's like, SOS, best friends, SOS. And Jimmy's like, what do you mean I'm the Steve? I'm not the Steve. And Steve's like, uh, I know a Steve when I see one. Always on the outskirts, never really part of the main group, a lone wolf. Jimmy's like, I'm not a lone wolf. It's Kent Olsen and Lane, journalism pals for life. We're a team. And Steve's like, oh, my mistake. So uh, where were your other halves this morning? Other halves, it doesn't make mathematical sense. And Jimmy's like, they they had things to do and, and something about bagels, but I've got their backs and they have mine. Steve's like, because they listen to what you say. And Jimmy's like, well, Lois thinks my ideas are weird, but... And then Steve's like, which she tells you because there's no secrets among the three of you. Jimmy's like, hmm. And Steve's like, you're Steve. No! He's like, bruh, being a Steve is great. We're mavericks, making our own rules. Then living by those rules, which I call the Steve Code. And he hands like Jimmy a card. You actually wrote them down? And then he's like, why is never skip leg day on here three times? Lesson numero dos, protege. Don't question the Steve Code. So they arrive at some place. He tells Jimmy, he's like, give me a second. And he like goes up there. Jimmy like leaves Clark a message saying, he's like, I don't know where you are, but you know, call me with a fake emergency and you know, get me out of this. Then Steve tosses like his phone at Jimmy. He tells him he's like, you know, set up there, you know, get to get to work. So he's standing outside a baseball stadium, and Jimmy asks, he's like, "What? What am I shooting?" 
And he's like, you know, coverage of the stadium, your practice. And Steve's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're filming me. And, you know, he has his like back to Jimmy. And he's like, Steve, 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 Steve. He like spins around. Aliens, Mothman, the Loch Ness Monsters. And that one psychic starfish in Germany. Flamebird thinks it's all real. And Jimmy's like, huh? He's like, but I say, nah. And Jimmy's like, what? Superman saves this crying kid on the track of the subway before a train car hits them or something like that. Lois runs out into the track. She's carrying the dispatcher. Then it's like, disregard request. Lois sees like a blur zip by. Then uh, Superman saves a, a cat hanging on a post and hands her to the girl. Lois runs around a corner, you know, sees Superman, but shoom, he takes off. Superman lifts a car out of his giant sinkhole. He even like poses for pictures. Dispatcher's like, uh, sink, sinkhole is under control. Lois like, ugh. She's like, this is never going to work. Then dispatchers like reports of suspicious people at McGinnis Lux Garage, and it happens to be like right behind her, like like just a few a few few buildings or a few things down. So she heads over, and you know Superman hears, "Be warned!" Armed with strange tech weapons, so he floats down. Lois is like bent over; she's like out of breath. She sees him. She's like, "Hold it right there!" And he's like, "Uh, Miss Lane." She's like, "You can't be here." He's like, "This is there's a robbery in progress." So. She's like, I heard about the break-in over the scanner because my good friend is working on a story about the tech, and I came here to help him. You know Clark Kent, don't you? He's like, oh, that young man who works with you and Mr. Olsen? He's quiet, but thoughtful, upstanding. I like him. And she's like, yep, that's him. And she slides the dispatcher, the dispatcher thing like towards him. She's like, anyways, Clark really wanted to talk to you to track down this tech. And she actually like stands on the unit so she can get more like you know eye to eye like in in Superman's face. She's like, so until Clark can show up and ask you questions himself, I'm not letting you out of my sight. She managed to put like some sort of like handcuffs around both of them. Then you hear like tires like screech. The four from the van are there. One like crunches open the garage door, you know, with the the armored tech whatever strength. And then the uh, the lead gal says, Superman, he's already here. Hit him and run. And one throws like a car at Superman and Lois. He zips them off to the side of the way. But then uh, he, he gets hit in the face by a tire. And there's like tread marks on his face. So the, the other gal, she's like tossing, ching, 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 throwing tires at him. Superman dodges with like Lois. She's like yelped as she's getting moved about. You know, it's almost like they're dancing. And then uh, uh, two thugs run at Superman. Lois is like, watch out. She kicks one of them. They go flying back. But then the gal raises her gauntlet. But then Superman like crunches it. And tosses the lady aside. Then he uses his like heat vision uh, or supervision. He looks closely at the tech, and he he gets like some weird. I don't understand this part because he gets like a weird flashback. You see someone standing in the field. I'm like, is that him? It didn't quite look like him. But then there's like these meteors falling in the in the field, and he like drops the tech. And Lois is like, are you okay? He's like, uh, I'm fine. Just uh. And then the the main gal Rory is, is, is around the corner. Come on, come on. It's like trying to get the, the suit to work. You know, why does this need more time? Lois is like, her gloves aren't working. So Lois knew right away it was, it was a her. I didn't realize that. So they zip over by her. She tries zapping Superman, but it's just like sparks. The getaway car drives away. And then she's like, uh, she's like, I'm sorry, Superman. Please don't kidnap me like the others. Superman and Lois both look at her and they're like, what? Jimmy's like, I can't believe it. You're nah. You're the guy who's been trolling me. And then Steve's like, wait, 
you're Flamebird? And he like chuckles, great minds, bruh, except you're wrong about the aliens. This is why I'm the mentor and you're the student. Then he tells them to film again and get his good side. And Jimmy's like, let me get this straight. You dragged me out here to blow off work for your video stream? I thought we had a real assignment. Does Mr. White know about this? And Steve scoffs. He's like, like you kids do what Perry tells you. Besides, this is great. Just me and my protege, two lone wolves making videos. I'm not like you. Me, Clark, and Lois, we're best friends. We're the three amigos, the three musketeers. And Steve's like, and when you called them to help you get out of working with me, did they answer you? He's like, I'm not just a handsome face, you know. I notice things. Look, you guys are tight now, but life goes on. Things change and people get left behind. Take it from me. That's not what's happening here. Sure, Clark's trying out some new things and Lois has her fine Superman stuff, but we're a team. Are you sure about that, Wolf Cub? Did Jimmy's phone buzzes? There's an alert. It's like 445. Uh, it's, a, he, it's a squatching time. Yes, you are wrong. And if you'll excuse me, I've got a big foot to catch with my best friends. So Superman asks Rory he's like about the kidnappings. He's like, what are you talking about? Lois says, she's like, I got this. And she grabs Rory by like the, the shirt off the side of the armor. She's like, okay, listen up, bud. I hate two things, secrets and liars. So you're going to tell us everything you know about the tech and what you meant about the kidnapping or I let my friend here cut loose. Superman's like, that's not happening. Lois like, then I'll cut loose. Miss Lane, please don't threaten people. It's wrong. Fine. Tell us what you know, or my friend here will worry excessively about your welfare. And she's like, worry about... Are you kidding me? He's the one taking us. My crew, members of the Gazo family, bagmen, pickpockets, every single person who's got tech weapons from that Livewire lady, they're gone. We were trying to lift a ride to get out of town before he got us too. It's like, what do you mean lift a ride? You were in a van in the beginning... And then you had a like a, another car like right before this. Superman's like, I'm not getting anyone. Why would you think that? And Rory's like, I saw you do it. We were knocking over a pawn shop on 25th, and there was this blur, and half my crew was gone. Who else could move that fast? He's like, but I'm not going down that easy. The suit manages to power up. She blasts like a blast of heat, you know, shoots out. Superman pulls Lois away, like shields her from the fire. So basically they gender bent heat wave. Whatever. Which is weird because, you know, our Heat Wave was in Legends of Tomorrow. So people know who Heat Wave is, you know, non, you know, comic book readers, other people also. So uh, Lois says that, you know, as long as she has that Heat Wave weapon, she's incredibly dangerous. And um, so she's like, what do we do now? And he's like, first, we have to go back to the Daily Planet. So come on. And an armored dude is, is like watching from a rooftop. He's listed as Man One. It's really. Slade Wilson, Agent Wilson, as they're calling him. Then uh, he's like, two targets headed in a different direction. What's the priority? Man 2 over to comms, like, Superman can wait. Get our tech back. On a Daily Planet rooftop, Lois like, okay, what do we do now? It's like, why do we have to come back here? And he's like, because it's too dangerous for you to come with me. She's like, wait, are you leaving me behind? I have to stop that woman before she burns down the city. You told me before you don't know how your powers work. Do you even know if you're fireproof? And, and you still don't know who is kidnapping people. I'm not letting you go. And then he like snaps the cuffs with like two fingers. She's like, I'm sorry, Lois, but I can't let you get hurt. And she's like, stop, don't do this. He starts flying away. Superman, Superman, Clark. Heat waves running from an armored dude. It's like, you won't get me, Superman. Uh, and she shoots out like a blast. She's like running through a tunnel. Superman's like flying close by and he's like, sees like a ball of flames go up. 
flies next to her and she's like, I'm not letting you take me. He's like, I'm not taking anyone. I just want to help. She's still blasting. He's like holding her arms down. And then the flames like turn blue and there's like a swirl, uh, you know, of energy, fire, whatever around them. Uh, the watcher's like sitting perched on a crane, radios in. I have visuals on a final target and Nemesis Omega, permission to engage. So again, it's it's Agent Wilson. He's talking to Waller and is this other dude, this general dude that we saw before. Waller's like looking at a screen. Suit is operating at optimal efficiency. Integrating the reclaimed tech has made it stronger. General, there will never be a better time than this. So then uh, the dude's like requesting support. And Waller's like, you'll have it. Heatwave keeps fighting Superman, like punches him, blasts him. And suddenly the flames stop. Superman looks up and Heatwave's gone. And and he's like, you see like a block of ice, he's, you know, left on the ground. He's like, intergangs freeze ray? He sees uh, armored dude, Wilson, Slade, Terminator, come out of like smoke, two glowing swords. He's like, who are you? And Wilson's like, oh, that's easy, Superman. We're the good guys. Two big robots drop down like next to him. The general's like, Agent Wilson, contain it. So Wilson attacks. Robots stomp down on Superman. He zaps with heat vision, you know, chops off one of its arms. Waller comments, power fluctuates are wildly off spec. So wait, it's like, is she actually there watching? Because it seems like she's like right there. It makes no sense. And she's like, the enemy is weaker than anticipated. And Superman's like, this technology, these these weapons, they're yours? You're the ones kidnapping people? And it's like, is he talking to Amanda now? So is he seeing her? He gets hit from behind by Wilson. And Wilson's like, he's got a super brain too. Superman gets like slammed by, by a robot. Why are you doing this? General's like, as if you don't know, drop the axe, Superman. There's no one here to swallow your lies. And we see the flashback that Superman saw before, the guy in the field with the, like, the meteors falling. And Superman's like, you? It's like, who are you? I'm the one keeping Earth safe. And a robot slams through the general, so he's clearly a hologram. He's not really there. So Amanda's not there either. He knocks Superman back. He gets hit a second time. He's like, wait, I don't understand. And then, boom, gets hit. And general's like, again, slam, again, slam, again. But Superman, like rises and catches the fist before it can hit him he gets grabbed or whatever he gets tossed aside he gets ready to blast him uh it gets ready to blast him he slices you know with his heat vision then wilson charges at him swinging his sword it must be some sort of energy swords because they kind of hit his like neck like whatever and they actually like, kind of cut him and he's like ah then he ends up like slicing, you know, geez, the swords are moving. He slices like an underpass that they're under. And of course, it's like rush hour traffic, you know, headed to Bloodhaven uh, on this overpass. So there's even a school bus of kids, of course. And so it's, things start shifting and Wilson's like charges at him again. And Superman's like, no, you need to stop. People need help. Hits him with the solifist. He goes flying back. And he, uh, Superman lifts up the, the crumbling overpass. Wilson, like, t- his helmet, like, opens up for some reason so we can see his face. He puts his weapons together. I don't know if it's, like, making a gun now because he's, like, looking at Superman through, like, a, a target scope. And Waller's like, Wilson, take the shot. Then the general's like, stand down. And Waller's like, we have an opportunity. We need to take it. And general's like, not if it endangers civilians. Remember why we're doing this. And she's like, and when everyone dies on the next zero day, will they thank you for sparing a handful now? Then she's like, Wilson. And then he's like, is this your Operation Mandy or is it mine? So he calls her Mandy, Amanda. I've never heard that. And, and she's like, hmm. And he's like, Wilson, retreat. And he's like, be seeing you, Superman. 
and Superman like lines up the overpass, melts the concrete together. Of course, he looks at the wreckage, the remains of the robot. His his neck has a cut on there. He flies back to the Daily Planet rooftop. Lois is still there, like waiting. And then Clark comes in through the the, the stairway through the, the door. He's like Lois. She's like Clark, and she leaps at him, wraps her arms around his neck. She's like, I was so worried. And she's like, You're hurt. He's like, Oh, that's from shaving, but uh, there's no need to be worried. I just went home for a, a, a to water plants. And and she like sighs. She's like, Don't, don't lie to me again. He's like, uh, What are you talking about? She's like, I spent all this morning worrying about you, and this is how you're gonna play it. Uh, play what? And she's like, fine. And she backs up to the edge of the rooftop. She's like, we'll do this the hard way. And she closes her eyes, steps back. Lois! She like falls. She's like falling down. She gets saved by Clark. So he didn't even change. And they like lock eyes for a moment. And she's like, I knew it. And then uh, she's like kind of like struggling in his arm. He's like, Lois, please let me explain. She's like, you lied to me, Superman. This is the part that drives me nuts about this whole Superman identity thing. And he's like, I didn't lie to you. I just didn't tell you everything. And she's like, a secret is another type of lie. He's like, Lois, you have no idea what's going on in the city right now. Then tell me. She's like, you hated Superman. You said he was a liar and you were going to find and publish all my secrets. My secrets. She's like, I would never do that to you. I had no idea it was you until after the gala. And you know, how, how could you think all that? He's like, you jumped off a roof and, and I, I don't know what to think. She's like, you kept this from me and I'm your... I don't know what we were going to be, but that's all over now. So I guess they won't be dating. And now it's raining. Jimmy walks. He, you know, he's waiting by the bus stop. His, the, there's a, a clock on a bus stop. This is 8.59. They're supposed to meet at 5. He tries calling Lois, gets her voicemail. Tries calling, calling Clark voicemail. He's like, fine. Who needs them anyways? Bus arrives. He gets on. Later, he's out in the woods. And then there's like some big giant creature behind him. And he's like screams, drops his phone. That's the end of the episode. So Jimmy's going to die. Get eaten by Bigfoot. So one more episode. And like I said, it's out already. But uh, keep build up the suspense and the content. We'll save that for next week. I really like this show. And uh, uh, I'll be honest. It's like I haven't watched that last episode yet. Because I want it to, to last one more week. So I'm just weird that way. All right, then Harley Quinn, this show's going to be like all animated shows. Season four, episode one, Gotham's Hottest Hotties. Uh, so this, this season has been has been good. You know, I, I've been, you know, back and forth with, with Harley. Uh, you know, at times I really enjoy it. Other times I'm just like, eh. You know, I feel like sometimes it tries too hard. You know, like, like oh, let, let's swear as much as we can. Let's, let's just be so over the top and push boundaries just because we can do it. So sometimes, you know, it is funny, but sometimes it seems like it's, it's uh, like too easy, like low, too low brow or whatever, but it, it's an enjoyable show. I, I, I like the fact that they pull in a lot of obscure characters and, you know, content, whatever. So we see Harley's fighting several guards outside the Legion of Doom headquarters. And they're like, we can't let a good guy in because the last episode she's joined the Bat family. And, you know, she's but she's trying to deliver a bag lunch to Ivy or her girlfriend who's because Ivy is in charge of the Legion of Doom now. Then Ivy calls her. She's like, is a bad signal still working? And Harley's like, uh, wait, she's like, does it work during the day? And Ivy says that Harley forgot her lunch. So she thought it'd be sexy if she did a crime. And then she and the Bat family showed up. And Harley's like, ah, she's like, but I'm, I'm outside the Legion of Doom with your lunch. And Ivy's like, ah, she's like, we're, we're so cute. And then more guards come up and start shooting at, at Ivy. And she's like, oh, I got to go. 
So Ivy walks into the headquarters. Lex is in, in there. He's like, ah, oh, there's my new CEO, girl power and all that stuff. She tells him that you know she has some pretty big plans. She's starting uh, with a, a corporate rebrand, socially conscious evil. He's like barely paying any attention. You know, he's on his phone or like on an elevator. He's like, totally, totally. And she's like, first, I thought I'd destroy an oil rig safely, obviously, and make the execs drink all the oil. And boom, high body count, zero environmental damage. All the the deets are here in this color-coded tabbed binder. He's like, hmm. Then she mentions that she thought they'd start off on the right foot and do a ceremonial handing over the keys in front of everyone. He's like, can't. I'm going to my launch pad on the roof and then headed to the moon. And she's like, the moon? Uh, That's cool. That's cool. She's like, I hope the rocket isn't shaped like a giant penis. And he like scoffs and she's like, am I right? And and Lex like glares at her. He's like, there's a scientific reason the rocket needs to look like that. So they arrive at the exec level, like shoves her out. It's like, this is you. And then um, he's like, lean in, disrupt and things of that nature. So she walks into the boardroom. Gorilla Grodd's like, move lady. It's like, I want a perfect view of the doorway for the new CEO comes in. I hope he's chill. I hope he thinks I'm chill. Snowflame is there. So Snowflame is a dude who gets his powers by snorting cocaine. Again, it's he's such a weird, obscure character. And it's absurd that they're using him. But I feel like it's it, it, that's like the running joke that we've heard for a while. And if you're like really into comics. So, of course, they're, they're using it. But whatever. So he uh, tells Grodd to shut up so he can hear the new CEO's footsteps. And so Ivy's like... Oh, uh, so I, I'm guessing nobody sort of um, let you guys in, but uh, surprise. And she chuckles. She's like, I'm the new CEO. Metallo's like in a robotic voice. He's like, fudge. It is true. Look at her mug. It says like world's hottest CEO. I love you. And there's like a heart. Uh, so then uh, you know, they, they stand up. There's roaring. Uh, Grod's like, you know, thumping his chest. Metallo's like, she must have slept with Lex. Everyone's like protesting. Snowflame's like, I hope she gets pregnant. <laughs> She's like so ridiculous. Uh, you know, Lex bowed to the woke mob and hired a skirt. And she's like, let's sit down and discuss. Uh, then they're like, the, the, pl- the plan for socially conscious evil. The plans start like handing out folders. And she's like, now, if you look in your dossier, you're going to see how together we're going to make this happen. Snowflame's like, never. If this folder wasn't literally perfect for doing lines off of, I'd throw it in the trash. That's right, the trash, even though I know it's recyclable. Man Bat like, rips it in half and starts eating it. Snowflame like, snorts a line off the folder. Mattel's like, if we wanted to get bossed around by a lady, we would get girlfriends. And Grodd grunts loudly in her face, this is so not chill. They all leave the, the room. Then we see Harley sits at, at a newsstand and it's like separated into like evil and good sections, you know, because she starts off looking at the evil sections. She's like, oh, and she moves over and she's like scoffs. And there's a magazine featuring Wonder Woman's like favorite winter salad recipe. She's like, she has more than one. And then she sees a hottest hotties list and, and she's like, oh, she starts looking at it. And, pro- and then she realizes she's talking to Professor Pig because, you know, he's he's like talking to her about like some the some model on the cover, like about her clavicle or something like that. And she's like, well, I can't be seen talking to you. And so she makes an excuse to leave. Later, she makes a big splashy entrance at the Batcave. Uh, Nightwing and Robin are sitting at the back computer, And they just, like, turn her back to her, like, you know, whatever they're looking at on the screen. Then she asks, she's like, oh, was my pose not dramatic enough? And Batgirl, on the other hand, you know, she's very excited to see her. And then... Um, and Harley, you know, sees that they're they're looking at Captain Boomerang on the screen. She's like, it's like, oh, it's Monday. He's probably at the senior center because he loves mature women. And they're like, ew. 
And she's like, are we going to go kick his butt? Damien's like, we're just updating our criminal database. And Batgirl's like, we can't kick anyone's butt until they actually do crimes. And she's like, oh. Ivy's uh, trying to get her plan into motion. She's talking to Frank, the, the plant, about how you know there's a lot of resistance. You know, and then her wardrobe arrives. You know, for for this big scheme, she was gonna go in like an admiral's outfit or something like that. But then she they gave her like a pink bikini. That's like I'm a dumb boss on it, like the two boobs in the, the bottom part. And she's like, if they keep cock blocking me, she's like, I'm never gonna get anything done. She's like, I might as well be the CEO of nothing. She's like, everything is like it was before. She's like, I'm doing it on my own yet again and frank's like well maybe you know you should put your oil thing on hold and disrupt the corporate culture there first and she's like no she's like i don't want to manage people then a, a copy machine comes crashing through her glass door and she's like starts yelling at them harley's like bored out of her mind she's like waiting around robin's like with a vr thing doing like some fight practice whatever nightwing and batgirl are riding stationary bikes and then she gets everyone's attention she's like oh my god she's like look they all like leap towards her and she shows like the magazine Nightwing's a she's like Nightwing's a hottest hottie he's at number two and you know you see it's like his it's like the typical pose of him you can see his butt and then uh, the alert goes off Batgirl's like a dead body's been found and Robin's like cool and Alfred's like not so fast it's visitation day at Blackgate and your papa awaits and Damien's like ugh or Robin ugh I'll never get to see dead people and Harley's like yeah, at the scene, she's like, ew. She's like, I know this person. She's like, that's Mally Thomerson. She's like a huge Instagram model and heiress to the old Gotham Corn Factory. Last night was a launch of her hard corn water. And Nightwing's like, do you mean whiskey? And Harley's like, legally, she can't call it that. And she, she's like, she explained it all on her, her live stream. Then she asks if they're going to look for DNA, dust for prints, do a bartender. And Batgirl's, you know, she's looking because so a hand was chopped off. And she's like, well, the severed hand cut is pretty clean. So the killer could have a background in surgery. Then uh, her and Nightwing's like earpiece, your comms go off. Another body's been found at the Hard Wayne, um, Hard Wayne's Gonna Fall ice cream pop-up experience, something like that. Nightwing's like, I'll handle it. At Blackgate, Damien and Alfred enter this. It's a pretty lush room, like this waiting room. Like, you know, big, like fancy couches and chairs, whatever. So Damien's like, it smells like a hamster cage. Then this butler comes up to them. He's like, I'm afraid you won't be able to visit Master Bruce today. Damien complains. He's like, I missed a dead body just to do absolutely nothing. Alfred asks the guys, like, who are you? And the guy's like, I'm his butler, Alvin. And Al Alfred's like, but I'm his butler. And then the other guy's like, well, I'm his penal butler. Alfred obviously doesn't like that. And he's like, I must insist on seeing Master Bruce immediately. Alvin's like, oh, unfortunately, his DJ lessons are running a wee bit long. Now I must get back. We have a call with the CFO of Wayne Enterprises. The stocks have leveled off. And Alfred's like, I'm sorry, you're on a financial call? And he's like, oh, sweetie, he runs everything big by me. Ta-ta. You like, you know, pat someone on the cheek. And Alfred's like, hmm. So Ivy is at, at home or Catwoman's place, whatever, they're still there. She's watching a video on her phone. Veronica Kale is talking about how to manage people. There's like books on the table, business for babes, how to be a cool, popular boss, manipulating employees. She gets annoyed. She's like, an another ad? And this one's an ad for Clayface in Vegas. And she's like, is that my scarf? So this is clearly, so we have a couple things, like some some teases. The, the whole rocket ship to the moon, that's something that's happening this season. Um, going to Vegas, that's something that the showrunner said when the when I did that interview from San Diego on my YouTube channel. 
And uh, so Har- Harley comes home. She does this flip. She lands on Harvey's app. Smooch. And she says that she got horned up at a crime scene. She's like, you know what I'm thinking? Super hot? Role playing. And Ivy's like, well, what do you have in mind? And Harley's like, you're a super sexy crime boss. And I'm I'm a sexually pushy cop who will cross any line to get answers. So, you know, she puts cuffs on her. And she asks, who in your circle of sickles is a surgeon? And Ivy's like, oh, um, uh, Dr. Big Boobs? And Harley's like, no, not Dr. Big Boobs, a real surgeon, one with a fetish for amputation. And Ivy's like, oh, sorry, officer, um, it's Dr. Berkowitz? And Ivy's, or Harley's like, not your dermatologist. The perp I'm tracking is unaccounted for from 1 to 2 a.m. last night. Now tell me who it is. Ivy sighs. She's like, uh, Harley's like, you're not into this? And she's like, honey, are you trying to get me to narc on one of my coworkers through sex stuff? And Harley's like, yes, I'm sorry. I really want to figure out who did it so I can impress the Bat family. And Ivy says, I can't just tell you. She's like, I don't even know what half those posers are up to anyways. And she says, you know, if we're going to make this work, we need to establish some boundaries because, you know, good and bad. So later, Harley goes through her phone contacts to find someone to get, like, answers from. Uh, a lot of them are either dead or D-heads. Like, she tries calling the Riddler, gets a voicemail. In order to leave a message, you'll need to leave a series of intricate... She, like, hangs up. She goes to Scarecrow. You know, Scarecrow. Oh, he's dead, too. Dow's King Shark. He's like, oh, I'm surprised you're calling. He's like, you know, about this, because he says, you know, because she knows he's squeamish about blood. And she's like, well, no one else would answer. He's like, well, it's because you're a good guy now. He's like, I'll always be friends with you, but I'm changing your name to potential spam in my phone now. So she's like, well, what are you up to now? And he starts to answer, but then she gets a text from Nightwing to meet now. And she's like, well, I got to go. Because King Shark's like at at, at the doctor's office. He's about to tell her that his pregnant, I don't know if it's his wife or girlfriend. I forget if we know about this. And the doc tells him that there's nine healthy little sharks in her, so he's going to be a father. Ivy brings donuts to the Legion of Doom. I think they're like vegan donuts. Uh, she tells them that you know she has a deep uh, appreciation for the team. If they have any crazy ideas, shoot it over. You know her door is always open. Later, Metella says he's like we knock down the city hall and build a gladiator death ring. So she approves it, even though she's not really into it. Then Grodd comes in. He wants to create a force field and fill it with hot babes. He's like, the cool thing is that they have to go out with me. <laughs> and Snowflame's like, three words, cocaine, zoo, disaster. And she's like, okay. And he's like, wait, wait, I need three more words. Electric, eels, high. He's like, ah, oh, fudge. Basically, we give a bunch of eels cocaine and watch them fudge up poop at the zoo. Stamp, she approves it. Then Bane's like, I need explosives. Lots of explosives. I want to blow up. She's like, this is great stuff. I love this. She stamps it. Doesn't even listen. So then there's a a video from Batman. Batman addresses Gotham. As I step away for some highly cool and important training, the people of Gotham need not worry. You are in capable hands. The Batfam's got your back. And the newscaster talks about um, the death. You know, is is this uh, like a Bat family failure or whatever? Batgirl and Ivy are with the victim at the hospital. They, she, you know, takes, she's got like scarred like on her neck or something like that. She says that, you know, she would got stood up or something like that. She was live streaming the whole thing. Uh, Harley says it must be how to kill her knew where they were. And the victim asks, she's like, do you think you, they'll, you'll find my clavicle in time for the hottest hottie scale? So this is a, the cover model, whatever. And then, but Professor Pig had mentioned her clavicle to newsstand. So who else would it be, right? So this lady says, you know, her dress is made from 10 live puppies and every day she doesn't wear it to get less cute. So she, you know, she wants to get out of hospital. 
and Harley picks up the magazine and then she reads a caption about the clavicle and, and then she says something in a weird voice. Like she reads a caption back girls like, what's with your voice. And then she's like, it's professor pig. He's picking off our city's hottest hotties. I saw him at the newsstand and he was drooling all over Devorah's clavicle. So it's gotta be him. She's like, God, I'm so good at my new job. All the clues are just drawn to me. And Batgirl's like, oh, great work, Harley. Now we just need to catch him. And Harley's like, I have an idea. And someone's going to hate it. She turns a page to Nightwing in his butt. Ivy talks to a clerk about at the supply checkout at the, the Legion Doom. She's trying to butter her up. And she says, uh, the, the Ivy's, uh, you know, she's like, oh, you're to talk at the basement. She's like, you know, other guys are going to be bummed that, you know, they, they missed you. And Ivy's like, love to hear it. She's like, I need uh, 20 goons, dental clamps, and funnels, enough to channel about like uh, 84 million gallons of oils into the mouth of men. And then the, the clerk's like, oh, pretty sure those 84 million gallons of oil are floating in the sea as about 20 minutes ago. And Ivy's like, what? What do you mean? She's like, that's impossible. And the clerk's like, oh, didn't you hear? Bane blew up an oil rig. She's like, it's so funny. I love Bane. <laughs> Ivy checks her phone. Top stories story oil rig goes boom causing environmental doom she gets frustrated she goes in the bathroom she's like ah and then it's like an executive bathroom snow flame comes out of a stall and she's like what are you doing here she's like you're in the you know executive woman's restroom he's like well there's never been a lady executive so the boys deem this one dumpers only that's where they they uh, used to take dumps then north uh, freeze comes in and she's like what are you doing in a woman's executive restroom and ivy's like i am the executive woman here and she says that she comes to use the bathroom when she picks up her widow's pensions checks from human resources. So Nora yells at Snowflame when he interrupts. She's like, don't interrupt two women talking in the bathroom. Then she tells Ivy, you know, who cares about being cool? She's like, you're not cool. You're poison Ivy. You know, you brought back a frozen lady with your magical plant powers. So you can do whatever you want with the Legion of Doom. And you know, she, she says that she can take everyone's opinion and shove them in that tiny metal box with her used tampons in the stall. And then she goes into stall and Ivy's like, you're not supposed to be here either. Then she's like, do you want to be my assistant? She's like, no. Ivy's like, then I'm going to have to change the lot. She's like, I'll do it. <laughs> so they really like this bathroom. Harley's posing as a famous Italian photographer without an accent. She had mentioned, you know, Nightwing should do like a, a tasteful nude shoot, whatever. So he comes out in a robe in his mask. He's like, why are we doing this? And Harley's like, oh, we're live streaming this Gotham monthly photo shoot to lure pig here. He's like, I understand that. But why do we have to actually take the photos? And she's like, well, if pig shows up and, and we're, we're not. He'll know it's a trap. He's like, OK, I, I finally did. I'm giving Gotham mostly the uh the exclusive on my juicy kabusi or something like that so he drops a robe he's wearing a thong whatever and Harley's like oh yeah and she's like you're three spritzes deep and it's sunset on the rialto when your lover calls your name and she's like turn around and smolder and he like gives a look whatever so she keeps directing him snapping pictures where like and then robin busts through the door he's like all right where's the dead body then the lights go out and he's like oh come on then uh Pig is, is behind Nightwing. He has a syringe filled with like some glowing green stuff. He injects Nightwing in, in a neck and he carries him out because it's still kind of dark. Barbara manages to turn the generator on as they walk through the door. They're like, and then he like cackles and he runs down the hallway. They go after him. At the Legion of Doom, Ivy's like, everyone's plans, schemes, plots on the table. And then Nora hands her a flamethrower, torches it all. Mattel complains, I already rented a wood chipper. You know, and everyone's complaining. Ivy's like, uh, uh, uh. She's like, no more blowing up poop and pathetic cash grabs and problematic way to date hot babes. It's, she's like, it's so played out and done. Nora hands out folders, everyone. 
Ivy says that from, from now on, everyone's working together on her stuff, socially conscious evil. Anything that isn't a part of that is gonna is not going to happen. So like, it's all her poop all day long. Snowflame stands up. He's like, we're not going to let this BS happen. This is racist against men. <laughs> he throws on like a glob of cocaine, snorts it. Everyone else stands up and roars. Ivy raises her hand like vines start moving to grab them. Cut to Professor Pig. He's carrying Nightwing. Uh, three of his doll hench things like pop out to stop the Bat family. Batgirl tells him that they're dollatrons. Their poor lost souls brainwashed to do Pig's bidding. Man Bat flies in the conference room. Man Bat flies at Ivy's. Uh, vines grab him, slams him against the wall. Metello yells, she's not the boss of me. Grodd uses his telepathy, but Ivy counterattacks with the vines. Grodd rushes at her at the top of the table but the vines attack whips you know he whips him down he smashes her pots whatever he's like you think i'm scared of you he looks at uh looks like ivy's down like you know she's beat but then the vines raises a table like he's on it like smashes him against the ceiling like over over again Nora's like cheering he's like come on you know she's cheering for ivy there's lots of dollatrons harley says that this is all her fault you know she's like i have to save nightwing Metal tries faking. He's like malfunctioning, but Ivy smashes him out through the ceiling. Snowflame's going to attack, but then his stomach gurgles. He like blames her vegan donuts. He runs to go to the bathroom. Bame strolls in. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm late, but my landlord finally agreed to put in a carbon monoxide detector. And he's like, what happened here? And she's like, hey, Bane, your next big plot is to clean up the poop load of oil from the Gotham Harbor. He's like, but I just bloated that oil. And she glares at him. I'll get a bucket. Pigs, uh, he's prepares to complete his perfect human with a perfect bootay. Harley kicks open the door and she's like, holy poop, a hot dollatron. So there's like a dollatron hanging, like there's like a butt missing. Nightwing admits that, you know, he's like, I'll admit I love my butt now save me. So he's strapped to the table, he's on his stomach. There's like, you know, like a checkered, like dotted line around like his butt. And she starts swinging her bat uh, as, as a, Professor Pig starts to cut. You know, there's a little bit of blood. Then she hits him over and over again. He's like on the ground. It's like, hit him. It's his ma- mask. The pig mask like s- smashes open. Blood splatters everywhere all over Nightwing, Batgirl, and Robin. And they're like, they're all like, you killed him? And they're like, oh my God, is he dead? And Robin's like, cool. So news report mentions that Ivy decided to take the Legion in a green conscious direction, which sent LexCore stock soaring. The same can't be said for Wayne Enterprises, whose stocks are in a free fall after uh you know after the news or something like that so a woman watching grabs the phone next to her she's like we've hit the trigger fuel up the jet i'm going to gotham it's obviously talia you know the way her hair is like over her face so that's the end of of episode one episode 402 b-i-t-c-h so batgirl is bandaging up nightwing's butt there's like blood on it for some reason it's like it seems like a lot more blood than a little nick and Harley's like, let me get this straight. You guys are actually mad that I killed Professor Pig? And they're like, and Nightwing's like, we don't kill people. And Batgirl's like, there's always another way. She's like, would you rather me stand by while Nightwing dies a brutal buttless death? And he's like, yes, Gotham would mourn me and my glistening apple bottom. But the number one rule in this family is no killing. And she's like, well, then that's on you guys for not telling me. And all three are like, ugh. They, they point to the back computer. There's a post-it that says Wi-Fi password, D-N-T-K-L-L-P-P-L, all caps. <laughs> Nightwing spins a chair around. There's like a pillow on it. We don't kill. It's like crocheted on there with like a heart. Then there's a, on this big pillar, there's a sign. In this cave, we believe in protecting black lives. No human is illegal. Science is real. And in capital letters, we don't kill people. And then Harley looks on her, her pink slippers. It's like, don't kill. 
And she's like, hmm, I think it's one of those things that you never notice until once it's pointed out and then now I can never not notice it. So my bad. There's a news report live with the mayor and Poison Ivy, a legion of a doom lady tree planting ceremony. Ivy says that she's leading an initiative to replace all the male trees in Gotham with female trees. So Tanya, the reporter, asked the mayor, Joker, Joker's still the mayor, if he's going to stand for that. He's like, of course. He's like, it's the female trees that produce fruit and free fruit for the people is peachy keen. So he says that since it's a, um, a co-pro with the legion legion of doom he'd appreciate a heads up on what the evil twist is and ivy's like no twist we're just a corporation endearing itself to the city and he like doesn't look like he believes her harley calls out to ivy um you know she's in the crowd nora's like you're not on she's like ivy's not talking to spectator and harley's like but i'm with her nora's like i don't see you on that list and Harley's like, that's a Mama Macaroni's takeout menu. So it's not really a list. And she yells out to Ivy. She's like, Mama Max for date night? And Ivy like gives a thumbs up. So Harley blows a kiss. Nightwing slaps her hands down. He's like, no, you, you can't blow you know blow kisses to a villain. And he's like, why are you even at an LOD event? She's like, I'm here romantically, not professionally, but I've got my crimey eyes wide open, okay? She says that you know she's totally representing the, the fam. She's like, see, and she shows that she's wearing like a purple and yellow like mini bat outfit. And they're like, he, Nightwing's like, you have to earn your bat outfit. You can't just buy one from a Halloween store. And she's like, well, this is from a sex shop, okay? He's like, not okay. And he's like, I'm getting texts, you know, about you when we were this close to luring Drunkula out of his coffin. Batgirl says that it's on them for not properly training her. So Harley's like asked if she's going to train with a pack of wolves or train with monks or, you know, take a bow of silence, you know, all the stuff. So it turns out that she has to be Alfred's assistant. Batgirl says that it's the best way to reshape her bat instincts, that she'll get to know the bat family from the ground up. And then they get an alert. Rainbow Raiders taken over to Gotham candy expo. And Harley's like, that sounds awesome to stop. And Alfred's like, oh, don't worry. It's like, we'll have plenty of our own excitement here. He takes her to slot cabinet. There's like tons of like weapons, like sharp weapons, and she gets excited. But then it, the like the panel like slides down, and there's like a, a real tea set behind her. He's like, let's begin by learning the proper way to steep Earl Grey. She's like, I'm hardly fudging Quinn. There's nothing I can learn from a saggy old butler. He like She like knocks up the platter of teacups and teapot out of his hands. But he like catches it all like neatly. Bane tries talking to Nora at her desk, so he's got a crush on her. And um, then she tricks him into trying to f- fix this. So Ivy had a, like a broken pasta maker handle that she wanted to get fixed. So she kind of tricks Bane into trying to get it fixed or something like that to call the company. And he's like, I will handle it. And he's like, pun intended. So Ivy meets with the Legion. Now that Operation Lady Tree has begun, she wants to talk about the evil twist. And she's like, Wayne Pharmaceuticals has been destroying baby plants for use in their medications. So now we are going to destroy them. She's like, back in the 1930, Gotham City only planted male trees because they didn't drop gunky girl stuff. But male trees cause allergies because they're always jizzing pollen everywhere. So she says that they're going to destroy the allergy medicine market and bankrupt Wayne Pharma. Firefly asks, she's like, why not just, you know, rain fire down upon them with a bomb? And Ivy makes Firefly switch seats with Volcana, who was like sitting in like in a row behind. Then Ivy asks Nora how the rest of the tree removal permits are coming. And Nora says the mayor won't approve them. Something about him hating her. So then Ivy gets a delivery. 
uh, it's like this pink dollhouse with like a glass ceiling and there's like a letter inside. So the, the evil woman in business collective invites you to it's most, it's mostly luncheon or something like this afternoon. So Frank's excited for her and she's like, no, uh, she's like networking is, it's like my personal hell, but Frank convinces her that she has to go. And then, uh, you know, King Shark's there. He takes the time to introduce himself. He's like, I'll be in IT. He mentions that he is expecting nine babies. He's like, also, I love parties. And everyone leaves. And Nora's like, fine. She's like, I'll throw you a baby shower. And he's like, oh, really? So he was like dropping hints. And she she got it. Harley's cleaning the bat uh, the Batmobile in the cave. She's frustrated, you know, saying that she joined the Bat family to crush skulls and help people not to be stuck in a basement with Alfred. At a restaurant, Veronica Kale social chair of the EWBC addresses group. She wants uh, them to welcome themselves with a round of applause. So we see also like Livewire and Cheetah are there. So Livewire is a new member along with Meg Whitman, (laughs) some random woman, and Poison Ivy, the first lady CEO of of the Legion of Doom. Then this helicopter is like overhead and like people crash through the glass ceiling. Talia and a couple ninjas drop down and Veronica says that she wants to welcome back Talia Al Ghul who missed her last decade of luncheons and Veronica's wedding and Talia says that if they look in their gift bags there's a sample of her company's new youth serum Lazaru instead of Lazarus because it's like some green stuff and like I think Cheetah uses something and she like her face turns into like a kitten's face Ivy and, and Talia are talking while they eat. They mention Mayor Joker, and Talia says that he's a cockroach scurrying around on the, the kitchen floor. He's looking for a morsel. You know, it's like all he needs is a crumb. He'll still be a roach, but he'll be her roach. Then she like gets a text and says it's about the, the reason uh, she came to Gotham. So she gives Ivy her business card, and she says to call her if she ever needs anything. Talia rings the doorbell at Wayne Manor. So in the cave, Ivy and Alfred are polishing Giant Penny when they, they hear the, the, the doorbell. Talia talks to Nightwing, Batgirl, and Damien in the living room. Alfred pours tea. Harley's like serving scones. Talia says that years ago, when her and her beloved were entangled in a passionate love affair, he appointed her conservator of Wayne Enterprises. He's in jail. The stock plummeted. So here she is. So Bruce's vigilante cosplay hobby has pulled funds from important ventures like creating shell companies that control shell companies that fund wars and determine war pol- world politics. So she's, from now on, all of your bat BS goes through me and there will be cuts. And she like looks at Alfred. Nightwing's like, thanks, but we've got everything under control here. Talia's like, actually, I've got everything under control. She's like, think of me as your new Bat Daddy. Then Harley goes up to her. She's like, hello, Harley Quinn, new member. Do you have the power to approve people for active Bat duty? And all three are like, no. And she slams on a tray and she's like, asked if the, the scones weren't good enough. Batgirl's like, you still have a lot to learn. Harley just storms out. Alfred asks Talia, now that she's back, will she be looking after her son? And she's like, yes, where's my handsome baby boy, huh? And he's like, I'm right here, mother. And he's like like sitting right in front of her. And she's like, Damien, out of diapers already? How long has it been? So Joker sitting next to Ivy at like a basketball stadium. They're like in a, like a VIP box or whatever. Uh, so the Legion of Doom box, I guess. And he's excited. He's like eating all these little snacks. And she mentions the permits. And she says that, you know, she can't tell him everything. But if the mayor's office approves the permits, she they can replace every male tree by Wednesday and then they'll, and a joker like, cackles like over Wednesday. He's like, hit him in the middle of the week. He's like, so evil. And he says that, you know, it feels good to be on the inside again. <laughs> so that was like enough information, I guess. At a, a Wayne Enterprise's uh, 
or whatever's um, room board meeting, uh, Talia, she's attending a pitch meeting over like Wayne shipping. This dude says the tagline is your mailman will appreciate it to encourage people to ship more by praying under love for their mailman. Ivy calls Talia to tell her that, you know, she got the permit. She's excited. And cause at first Talia doesn't know who she is. She says, you know, she almost didn't go to luncheon. So Talia guesses it's because of the dollhouse and outdated look at feminism. She's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, that's gotta go. And then she, Talia tells the two dudes, she's like, I hate it. She's like, you're fired. She throws daggers at them, hits one in the chest, the other in the head. And she tells the lady exec, she's like, clean this up. So Harley's in the kitchen and, uh, she's, you know, she tied up stuff in a cloth and she hung it on the end of her bat, kind of like hobo style. Alfred comes in and she says that, you know, she's had it, you know, she's leaving to fight crime. You know, she's like, try and stop me. He like, sprays her in the face with like, you know, the bottled cleaner spray and she screams. She's like, why? And then, you know, she swings, he blocks her blows with like a broom and he manages to take up the, the pouch or the, the bag off, off her, her bat. He's like, Miss Hartley, I understand by mess. You know, I understand why Master Wayne chose you, but the other people in this manner don't do well with impulsivity. He like disarms her, sweeps her broom at her feet and like makes her sit. And he's like, you have to show that you can do the things their way. He's like, be a bitch. And she's like, yes, I tried that. And I just got maced with, you know, a cleaning surface with all surface cleaner. He's like, yes, but I'm talking about B-I-T-C-H. Breathe. Identify the problem. Tea break. Consider your options. Handle it. He's like, bitch. He's like, I use it when I consider whether or not to give the long goodbye to any of Master Bruce's unsuitable paramours. He's like, be, and she's like, be a bitch. She's like, thanks, Alfie. She's like, wait a minute. Didn't you say shortcuts are the same as cheating? And she gasps. She's like, are you dying? And he's like, in a way, Talia is on the brink of firing me. My work has lost meeting with Master Bruce in jail. But don't worry about me. This old goat always lands on his feet. And she's like, if you die, can I have your watch? Harley arrives at ivy's office for date night gives her smooch and she sniffs she's like have you just did you just have two vegan guardsmen hot dog with relish and a side of shoestring potatoes so the guardsmen's are the, the gotham guardsmen's a basketball team or whatever and she's like uh sorry she's like i had to go to the game because uh, of my new business friend she said it would, would fix my permit problem and honestly it did and harley's like you made a business friend she's like this is huge ah and she hugs her then ivy's like wait a minute did you eat a, a brisket burrito extra guac no salsa and she's like busted she's like this conservator lady from wayne enterprises talia uh something bought us a, a bunch of burritos and then she's like hang on talia runs wayne enterprises and she curses she's like it's just there there's a conflict of interest in you know, I, it's like, I don't know. She's like, it's more like a, a villain thing. So Harley she wants to help kick ideas around, but Ivy says that they can't because, you know, they can't talk about good stuff and bad, evil stuff. She's like, I'll just see you at home. And then she yells at, you know, so Harley leaves. She yells at Sleeping Frank. She's like, what do I do? And then she sees a Lazarus bottle. It says on the back, derived from young ginseng. Then she's like, I know what to do now. He's like, you woke me up for nothing. So Talia is at the store. And she asks the clerk, she's like, what size pacifier do you recommend for a 12-year-old boy? And the clerk's like, what? She's holding like two pacifiers in her hands. Then she gets a, a phone call. He's like, she did what? So the clerk realizes that she can breathe again because you know, outside you see the, the last male tree was removed. And then people are tossing their, their Wayne antihistamines and garbage. This like Wayne Pharma truck backs up and the guy's like, no, no, no. He's like, we don't need any more. So Talia's angry. At the Legion Doom, there's a baby shower for King Shark. Bane tries talking to Nora. He looks at his phone. He's on hold with a pasta maker world headquarters. He's been on, on hold for like 45 minutes, 23 seconds, and his battery's at 1%. Then he, he sees like all the nearby 
uh, outlets are occupied. So he runs. He goes in the other room. Captain Cole goes up to Nora. He's like, oh, I hear you were responsible for this party. He's like, ice to meet you. And then she's like, oh, your hand is freezing. So she must like the cold stuff. Bane plugs in his phone. And then through like a, a window, like a glass, he sees Captain Cole like holding Nora's hand. Curse the warm blood in my veins. He, he looks at the broken pasta maker. He sees it says made in Italy. So he decides he's going to fly to Italy. So he ends a call. Books tries booking a plane. Yes, I'll, I'll go on hold. <laughs> Ivy stares out the window looking at the the fruitful lady trees. And she gets startled by Talia. And, and she's like, you should really tighten up security. She's like, I strolled right in. And she's like, if I knew I was going to be stabbed in the back today, I would not have worn cashmere. Ivy's like, I'm sorry. And she sees a tote back from a luncheon that says, stop apologizing. She's like, actually, no, I'm only sorry that I said I'm sorry. And Talia's like, you tank my, my fudging company. And she's like, voila, I might finally be operating with someone on my level. And Ivy's like, wait a minute. So you're not mad? She's like, I'm furious, which like all feelings is a temporary state and generally leads to innovation. And she hands her a bag. It's like, here, a token of my respect. So, and it's like, says that the future is female and evil. So Talia really likes the, the gift bags for some reason. Harley is driving a Batmobile with Alfred. She's like, I can't, cannot believe we're taking Nightwing's boots to be rehealed when you should be baking a file into a scone for Bruce. And he's like, well, let's put that aside for now. I want to see if you can take that corner at 60 miles per hour. She's like, are you nuts? That is definitely against the Bat family rules. And he's like, following rules is like folding a fitted sheet. Sometimes you do it, but other times you stuff it in a drawer and say, close enough. And she's like, you're a real crumpet, Alfie. You know that? So he tells her it's a florid. She zips through a red light and causes a fender bender. She hits like a hot dog cart, knocks it over, uses this truck that has like a mail tree on it, like a ramp to fly over another truck. Then they, they go to a luggage store. They get two briefcases. Harley like, says B-E and an F-R-I. Alfred says S-T and E-N-D-S. So together it says best friends. They go to discount office crap store, bought like a bunch of zip ties and Harley's like tossing some like confetti. He's like, what? They go get some beanies to wear. The last errand is the Gotham City Bank. So Alfred said he just has to put a gun inside a safe deposit box. So he goes in. She grabs a plum from one of the new lady trees. Then she sees across the street, there's a dude sitting in the car because uh, there's another bank across the street. And she's like, hey, same hat. We're hat twins. The guy just kind of like sinks down in the seat. Then a, a guy runs out of that bank. And he gets in the car and he's wearing a ski mask and he's like shoots a couple times. Alarm goes off. He gets in a waiting car and she's like, wait a minute. And she's like, bitch, B, breathe. I identified a problem. And she's thinking, you know, whatever stuff. Uh, and she's like, Alfred Pennyworth, you sneaky little minx. You're robbing a bank. And she's like, ah, and I'm the getaway driver. She's like, wait, tea break. And then he drinks some. She's like, oh, that's really good. And then C, consider your options. And she's like, H, time to handle this poop. Inside, Alfred's wearing a ski mask, you know, it's over his face. He's pointing a gun. There's people on the floor. He's like, would you be so kind as to add a few more thousand to my attache? Harley kicks, you know, the door open. She's, you know, she's like, Alfred, drop the gun. And he's like, I'm afraid I can't do that. And she's like, well, I can't let you rob a freaking bank. She's like, I'm calling for backup. And he's like, I will not be stopped. He runs towards the back. Uh, and he's like, desperate times call for it. And he says, Hey, look over there. He tries throwing like a pen at her, but it's like chained to a desk. He like throws other stuff. And she's like, why are you doing this? Alfred stop. She like tackles him, takes off his mask, yells uh, at a bank messenger. She's like necktie now. And the, the bat family comes in night when he's like, what do you think you're doing? You traitor robbing a bank. 
And he's like, I did indeed. Take me away. Nightwing's like, Harley, I never expect you to rat on a friend. And Batgirl says, but that kind of clear, decisive thinking is exactly what hero instincts are. You're back on a team. And then Harley's like, wow. And all I had to do was narc on the only person who's been supportive of me. And she chuckles. She's like, why didn't you tell me earlier? And Batgirl's like, you earned your bat outfit. And Damien's like, snitches get stitches. And the outfit is like black with uh, pink and blue, like Harley's hair. And she's like, you guys, it's Gorge. And Alfred smiles as he's like taken away. So Alfred wanted to get taken away, obviously. So he's in a prison van, you know, wearing prison oranges. He's like folding a tea towel. Mr. Zaz is sitting next to him. He like grunts at him. He's like about him folding it over and over again. He says, you know, he's, he's going to threaten them with violence or something like that. Uh, but he says he's practicing for his reunion with Master Bruce. The van stop. Guards open the door. He's at Arkham. He's like, this isn't Blackgate. And Zaz like, Blackgate's for people with stock portfolios. Everyone else has to go through the social rehabilitation program at New Arkham. So then a guard goes up to Alfred. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, leave your tea towels on the van. And he's like, oh, dear. And that's the end of the second episode. So poor Alfred got arrested for nothing. And he's at the, the wrong prison. So again... It has its moments. It's you know, it, it's funny at times. Not the most cleverest, <laughs> whatever humor, but it 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 makes you chuckle at times. So that that's that's the first two episodes. So maybe like next week I'll do two more, so, and then we'll, then we'll go back to one per week. All right. Then the movie featured this week is uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. So this was uh, I mean, this was quite the movie. You know, so as as I mentioned the past couple of weeks, when this came out, so this is July. It seems like it was so long ago, like San Diego Comic Con. So when Oppenheimer and Barbie came out, it's you know the the big question is like which movie am I going to see first? And I decided to go with Barbie. And and I I, I still say I'm glad I did. You know, so don't don't get me wrong. This movie was amazing. It was it was great. It's fantastic. Two different types of movies. You know, this this one is is pretty heavy, but. You know, you do get pulled into it, uh, you know, because Christopher Nolan, you know, he, he's he's a brilliant you know writer and director. And this movie, you know, like the, the cast, you know, Cillian Murphy was was great. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon was 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 so good at this. Robert Downey Jr. was was crazy. I mean, as I'm watching this, like for the longest time, I didn't I didn't even realize it was him. Because it, it kind of, I, I don't know what it was. I just, I, I don't know if I just got so pulled into like the movie and the story, you know, whatever. I didn't even think about that. But then there's like other people and a lot of other people I didn't really reckon or didn't really, didn't register. Obviously I knew Florence Pugh was and, and Rami Malek, you see him. But like uh, Josh Hartnett was in it, Casey Affleck, Kenneth Branagh. There's like so many people in, in this movie. Uh, and uh, it's, it's basically the story. So... I, I think the other reason when I'm looking at this is like, okay, this is the dude who is responsible for the atomic bomb. Having like some d- minor discussions with, I think it's like talking to my daughter about this uh, before. It's like, okay, the, you know, from what you knew about the story, you know, you drop the bomb, two bombs and ends the war, which is crazy. And it's like, okay, you can't really justify that. And, you know, some people might say, well, you know, Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, you know, the, a hosp- you know, you saw the movie with Ben Affleck, whatever, and Josh Hartnett, you know, people, hospitals and stuff like that. But even so, it's like these bombs were dropped on cities and there was like people there, you know, they, they weren't like, you know, army installations or anything like that. 
and you know that's something that is discussed. You know, they they had to do it someplace where there was enough people to make an impact. So it's crazy to, to think about that. And, you know, there, there's no justifying it. And, and yeah, you can say it's wartime, you know, people get get hurt and this and blah, blah, blah. But still, it's just the idea of it. And when they talk about, like, how many people died the day of the explosions and then the after effects and so like that, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. So it's like, in my thinking was, I don't, it's like, I, I don't know if I'm in, and that, that's why I went with Barbie. You know, I wanted something a little lighter, something that would be more fun. I was like, I don't know if I want something that's so heavy duty. This is a movie about this huge weapon of just mass destruction and all these people dying and all that. I was just like, I don't know. And I kept hearing, it's like, like, oh, you know, such a good movie, you know, blah, 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 five stars or 10 out of 10 or whatever. And, you know, it's so good. And, and then it was starting to get to the point where it's like, uh, this is like too much hype because, I just, I don't like hearing that. I don't tend to read reviews before because, you know, I try to see things as soon as I can because I want to, you know, make my own opinion. And and when you hear someone's like, it's so good, it's so good, it's so good. And sometimes it just, it's not necessarily that the expectation is built up, but it's just like, okay, you know, that's enough. Going into it, it's it's true. I mean, this is good. And so now it's like, I'm hyping it up. But this is definitely different from the movies that I normally go see. You know, this isn't like... I would say necessarily typical quote unquote podcast movie. It's, it's, you know, more serious, you know, there's definitely a story to be told and, you know, there, there's not a lot of special, you know, there's no special, well, I mean, you got the explosions and some stuff, but it's not like, you know, CG stuff and it's not like your superhero. It's not fantasy. You know, it's, it's based on a true story. And after I watched, I looked it up, I was like, you know, how accurate was the story? Cause a lot of times when you see these like, um, biopics, biopics. I always question that word. Whenever you see like, these movies, it's like, okay, how accurate is this? You know, how much has it been Hollywood eyes or whatever? Because you know, there, there's times where there's like conversations or or just like when Oppenheimer's thinking certain things. It's like, you know, did he write down his memoirs? You know, how do we know? exactly like what these people are talking about or thinking about because obviously you know there has to be some creative license when you're telling the story and you know it is going to be fleshed out a little bit so i i looked out and i i didn't look that deeply into it but what there was a, a physicist that kind of gave their their thought about this you know and and they were talking about like a lot of the science stuff of it also but they said that like factualized you know it was pretty accurate there was a couple things that may have happened like in different order for whatever reason you know to make the story flow a little differently but i guess i think i guess pretty much from what i glanced at this this article because again there's no way i was going to read all that it, it sounded like it was it was pretty pretty close pretty accurate so that that's cool and uh, you, you just get a sense for this. And, you know, it, it starts off where you look at Oppenheimer and, you know, he's he's not the uh, the most appealing guy. You know, he, he's got his, his, his issues and his, he has his, his faults, but you can just see he's like super smart. And, and that's for me, I thought that was really cool. You, you know, I, I have this strong math background, you know, so I, I can really appreciate, you know, the just the, the nitty gritty and how things work and all that. I don't, you know, I, I teach math. I don't really spend a lot of time delving into, you know, reading or watching, you know, doing like knowledgeable stuff for fun. Because I, I feel like I've had so much of that during my college, you know, years and everything like that. But watching this movie, I actually was getting pulled into like some of the science 
you know, of, of what was going on, you know, a lot of the science talks and seeing how like certain things moving. And obviously, you know, there's gonna be some things that are even over my head, you know, when you get to the physics and, uh, you know, the, all the hardcore stuff, but it's just really cool to hear some of this stuff and, and see like how the pieces and just how his mind's kind of working as he's absorbing or giving lectures and talking about different things. So I could really appreciate that. But at the same time, it wasn't like too much where it's just like shoving it in your face and, you know, just losing interest and whatever. But we, we, it just all kind of comes into place because, you know, you, you look at how did this even happen? And, you know, a lot of it is when, when, you know, it, like when the splitting of the atom first happened, because that, you know, the, the news comes out about that and Oppenheimer's with some other guy and they're like, you can't do that. You, that he's like, that can't be done. And this other guy's like, I'm going to go try it. And, and then they see it you actually could do it because, you know, someone else realized that they, they could do it. So a lot of this is about the science, you know, that, that was like the whole purpose, like trying to see, like, can this be done? Can you actually do this? And then with, with the war happening, you know, there's that whole aspect as well. And then it comes to a matter of like, well, if, you know, the, if the Germans are doing this because, you know, Oppenheimer, you know, with the with Hitler and Nazis and, you know, being Jewish and all that, that there's that whole aspect. It's like, well, if they're doing it, we have to do it type of thing. So it was more so that he really kind of like summing this up. It's like he, he was kind of on board with this, with the idea of like, well, if we have it, that's going to deter the other side from using their bond. Because it's, it's like, well, if we have this and you have this. It's, it doesn't make sense for anyone to use it type of thing. So then the race became, you know, started where it's like, well, we need to have this before they do, because if they have it, then that gives them the, the edge and, and so forth. So there, there's a lot of that. But then with some of his, there's a lot of his questionable things in his past. Uh, you know, there, there's like, he was hanging out with people from, you know, communism party, you know, different from Russian communism. You know, there's a whole like part with that. But, you know, a lot of people were talking about, like, just the idea of communism and, and how, you know, monetary, like, social, like, possessions and what, stuff like that. So, you know, he had some associates. He was never part of the communism party, but because he hung out with some people, you know, there were some questions about that and some things that he has said. And, you know, he actually did some studies. You know, he was studying in America and then he left because there was, he wasn't, able, he couldn't learn enough there was more that he he sought out so he ends up going to i think he went to cambridge whatever to do some studying and he actually i think he went to germany a little bit you know just here from this other from uh um eisenhower heisenberg not eisenhower so you know you get all this stuff and it is also interesting that just to see how all, all this happens and you know you even have like albert einstein in here it's like i didn't know that that they had any interaction with each other and stuff so you, you know you get a lot of the, the history and just the whole story and, and seeing how it all comes down and you know like i mentioned like choosing the site and stuff like that and um then the, the scary thing is you know there's also talks when they realize like how crazy this this could be and you know about the the explosion and the splitting and the explosion of an explosion and just a, the chain reaction and you know there there is the the possibility like well once it starts it might not stop and that could be like the destruction of the world and uh, yeah because there's like they weren't sure because at one point you know uh, Matt Damon plays the general like kind of charges he's like well uh, you know he's like how much of a threat is this and. Oppenheimer's like, well, it's a, it's a near zero chance of that happening. He's like near zero. Cause you know, he'd rather it be like absolutely zero. So, you know, just stuff like that. And, you know, there's always talk about like when, when they're working on an atomic bomb, it's like, well, what about the hydrogen bomb? And, and 
and Oppenheimer is like really against that. I feel like I'm getting too much into detail now, you know, so you just get a lot of this stuff and it's just really, really cool to see. But after the bomb goes off and everything, then it's like, well, what happens after that? And then you just really see how he was kind of getting screwed over because, you know, he's trying to control like atomic research and stuff like that. But then there's like more to it. There's, there's, it's not necessarily a trial, but there's like these hearings and stuff like that. And it's just, it kind of goes in there. And so with a lot of this, there's a lot of kind of like tense moments, you know, there's first with the whole building of the bomb and just things happening and, you know, just trying to make everything work out. And then, you know, stuff with, with this trial and with the accusations and this and that. So it's, it definitely, you know, holds your interest and, and it, you know, keeps you hooked. And, and like I said, just, just, and, and this, you know, as we have the writer strike and a direct or writer strike and actor strike, you know, you need to look at the whole thing. So, you know, we have this, this well-written movie and then you have all these amazing performances, but it goes beyond that. Cause you know, you have to have all the set designs, all the costume designs, uh, just everything, you know, just the, the lighting, all of it all just fits together. And if you don't have all that, you're not going to have the movie. It's not just about Cillian Murphy, you know, saying some words up there in front of a camera. It has to be everything put together and just the, the timing and the lighting and just direction. So this is why the the strike you know it, it it sucks that we have the strike going on you know with the threat and people you know losing income and whatever but you know they they deserve what what they deserve so looking at this movie it, it you know like i said it's it's not the most uh, glitzy entertaining um flashy movie that you might be used to seeing but there's a lot of important, you know, even from the historical aspect. And, and that's why after I was, I watched this, I was like, how accurate is this? Cause you know, this could be good where, you know, a lot of people may not know the whole story and, you know, I didn't know the whole story. So I, I felt like I actually learned some stuff. I will say, and this is where I'm going to sound like a total prude. I, you know, there was, there's stuff in the news about how, how this is, you know, the, the first uh, Christopher Nolan movie with, with sex scenes or with nudity and stuff like that. And I will say, hundred percent, not necessary. There, there is no need to have the the nudity in this movie. the The relationship between the, I mean, it, it's between Oppenheimer and and it's between Cillian Murphy and and Florence Pugh. Who Florence Pugh, her character is, and and you know, there is something that comes out of the story and why that happens or stuff like that. It's just not necessary to show it. And I, I don't see why you have to have that. And maybe it makes it more visceral or more real or more raw or whatever. I get that. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's you know, I'm totally against it, but I'm, I'm just looking at this from like who could benefit from this movie. And not that you want necessary kids in the theater, you know, young people, because they're going to a lot of them are probably going to be bored. But there could be some, you know, young adults, you know, preteens or early teens that could appreciate this, you know, learning from this bit of, you know, the filmmaking and the history and stuff like that. And then it's just that awkwardness. It's like, you know, they don't need to see that. And I'm, I'm sure they see way worse, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's it just, I, I'm thinking about this. It's like, okay, did this movie really need to be rated R? And, you know, there may have been some profanity here or there, but... I don't think it was anything overly, you know, whatever there wasn't any, you know, even though you're talking about this bomb and, you know, just the, the outcome, what happens, there wasn't any like graphic, you don't see really much, you know, there, you don't really see anything. So it's just, 
it was a weird decision, but again, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going like, to condemn the movie or anything. You know, I'm not going to make that big of a deal. I'm just saying that from that point of view, you know, that that's, I, I don't think feel is fully necessary, but again, I can understand, right. It's, it's not my movie. I'm not questioning Christopher Nolan. You know, he, he obviously is brilliant, knows what he's doing, but the, I just thought it was weird. I didn't feel it was really necessary because I don't know. It's just, it just, it did feel a little out of place with, with like the rest of the movie and when there's like, okay, but, but there's that, but apart from that, it's, it's, it's really good. It's an amazing movie. And, um, even though it's three hours, it didn't feel like it dragged on, you know, it, it just, cause there, there's so much more to the story. And like I said, even once the bomb is finally done and goes off, there's, there's a lot more to tell. So it's definitely worth seeing. Um, if you can sit through a three hour movie, go see it right away. Otherwise, you know, see it as soon as you can when it's at available at home. So I guess that's it. There's not much else to say. So let's just, let's call that an episode. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Most likely you can do another uh, 1966 John Romita, Stan Lee, Amazing Spider-Man issue. I'm trying to think who's the next one. It might be a shocking episode. <laughs> but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash from Heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash from Heck. All right, what is going to be next week? Um, that is a good question. I don't think anything is is opening this week, but there are some some movies to see. You know, there is a there's Haunted Mansion, but apparently, I think it it doesn't have the greatest reviews. There's also. Um, <laughs> There's a uh, Meg Two, which I do want to see. I don't think I'm going to end up seeing that in the theater. Uh, there's Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so I, I I don't know what what the next one will be. So we'll see. And then then there's also the question of uh, um what 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 should we call it uh Gran Turismo because that comes out at the end of the month. But you can there I I know there's going to be I I saw one like advanced showing, but um, I don't know when I'm going to see that. So we'll see. As far as TV shows go, so we're going to have, we have Harley Quinn. Uh, so I'll do two more episodes of that. We have My Adventures of Superman, the last episode. I don't know after that. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll find time to check out Twisted Metal, even though everything's out there. I, I don't feel like I can do that episode by episode since that came out, what, it's almost been like two weeks now. So we'll see. I, I still haven't started the new season of Futurama. I don't know. But I'm sure there'll be other stuff starting up soon. So we'll we'll figure this out. Um, if you have any suggestions or something that is coming up that I, I gotta like look at the calendars and see what, what else is coming up. But we'll, we'll we'll figure something out. So that is gonna be it for this week. Um, I hope you're doing well and I'm starting to think realize that like school for me is starting up soon and this summer has flown by, which is unfortunate for me, but that's fine. So I hope you are taking care of yourself. I hope you're finding 
um, time to do fun things. If you are going back to school, I hope you are getting ready for that. And um, I hope you remember, be good to each other.